I forgot. Sorry about that. I get I get confused. I get really, really easily confused. How satisfying or how how satisfied did I appear when I figured out where all the styrofoam peanuts were coming from earlier today? Because that completely made my day. You did look very satisfied. You could say my day is complete, quite frankly. We can just call this quits. We're good here. Wrap it up. Done. It was nice seeing you guys. (laughs) Good to see you, dog. I'm out. Leaves his own house. Starts walking down the road. Where the fuck are you going? I'm just satisfied for the day. I'm I'm done. I'm gone. I'm going to go satisfy someone else. (laughs) Are we good? We're we're solid. Are we good? That is a money starting point. Are you going to the mall today? I am not going to the mall today. I uh, try to avoid the mall at all costs, or really like large shopping centers in general. I don't. What about flea markets? Okay, you're still muted. I like nothing goes through. That's why he's still fucking muted. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm I'm not opposed to a flea market, I guess, but I I don't spend any time at them either. What about mm-hmm. farmers? What about swap meets? <laughs> I don't think I've ever been to a swap meet. So you might like it. I might. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I've never been to okay. one. Right. Farmers markets. Uh, I'm less likely to hang out at a farmers market. There's just not a lot of things I have an interest to buy there. I don't know, man. Sometimes I you like... got fresh dew. <laughs> you know, fresh dew straight from the mountainside. Yep. Yep. I mean, I might give that a whirl. Yep. I feel like some farmers markets have like beard oil made from beeswax and hippie pants and some other stuff that oh, might yeah. intrigue you, right? Yeah. You can definitely buy like. Like psilocybin sacks. mushrooms sometimes at farmers markets See? and stuff too, which you know Derek would not like probably. Uh, I I would never know about it. I don't know. No. Yeah. Uh, I'm down with the hippie pants at the farmer fest. No, you make a good point. There's a lot of like cool crafty stuff and shit like that that I'd get down on. Are you wearing hippie pants right now? Yeah, actually, there's some pretty hippie shorts I got going shorts. on here. Yeah, I put yeah, them yeah. more in like the the juggalo category personally, but. That's fair. It's the cargo pockets. Is there's, that there's like, some crossover? Yeah, some, it's the cargo pockets and the the little violent J insignia there. I'd like to see Juggalos come back at well, one point. If well, fashion is like a cyclical thing, like how long until Juggalos are are fashionable again? Uh, for the record, the kids of today are in. Like we have a host at uh, the restaurant I work at. It's oh, like yeah. a 17 year old that's super into ICP. So like, really? I don't think I don't think she's in ICP. I think she just dresses like that, or he just dresses like that. I'm sorry. I think you might be right. I, uh, terror, I don't think he knows about ICP. No. He just likes clowns. Um, you know about the, no, the he, ringmaster? He drew the freaking um, one Blood of the juggalos Blood. on that like chalkboard where we have all those Cartoon Network oh, characters. Well, in that, kid, in that case, he definitely this likes Piggy Piggy Pie. Solid use of time. Okay. All right. So getting. All right. So we, hey, everybody. We, okay. Yeah. 69 offers. He was giving them the business. They are surprised when people in Seattle don't want to eat squirrel parmesan. I legit free ball, man. Shut that's, up. that's awesome. It's the best. Bojack horse mom. I like your level of enthusiasm about Natalie and Bruglia. Your preference would be just like a bunch of people like quietly farting on you. If you travel back in time, don't bang your mom. My feelings are in my socks. Piggy, piggy, pie. You start your life pissing and shitting. The circle of life is massive. And then you don't for a long time. And then you reach a point where, again, you're pissing and shitting yourself. Yeah, I would woof morning wood at this guy every single day. I wipe my own ass. I wipe my own ass. Can I not get the Swedish chef? 
That's my quarterback. Silent Deadly Butts. Tickles and tickles. Oh. Oh, hey, guys. What's oh. up? It's D2B2 Sports coming at you through your ear holes. I'm Derek Weber, sitting here getting down. No, fuck. Wrong button. It's time for Derek or Nick's <laughs> D2 or B2 of the day. Let's take, make a quick take two and... F- Hey, everybody, what's up? It's Derek Weber here coming at... Th- that was bad, too. That's fucking weird. I was hoping you were going to say through your ear holes, because I was going to reference what other holes we... Never mind. No, I like the ear holes thing. I'm going to bring that back one more time. Yeah. D2B2 Sports coming at you right now through your ear holes. Wah, wah, wah. What's up, world? Yeah, I'm keeping all those in. That was... It. I like that. Thanks, man. Hey, I'm yeah. supposed to press a button now? Yeah, I'll press intro. a button. Hey, everybody, I'm Derek Weber here. Derek. Of course, kicking it with your boy Nikki Sager. Hey Nikki, cover Winkler in bees. And we've got a third with us today. Our good friend making his return, third appearance here on D2B2 Sports, Mr. Adam Lancer. We need to get a Adam button. I need a button to make noise for you. Yeah, I don't know. You're going to have to figure that one out. But... Is there a good uh, Adam pop culture reference out there that you'd like me to pick from? I can't say that like I really pay attention to stuff like that. Like I don't know. But I'm sure there is. What's your favorite like Adam in a movie? I I couldn't. Don't get a favorite know. Adam. I like. I could make a top five favorite Derek's. In I like. Culture. Oh, isn't that a guy named Adam in uh, Workaholics? Yeah. yeah. Adam oh, actually, there's the one where they go like, "Oh, you're Madam, you're Saddam." Yeah. So you could do that. Tight. All right. Workaholics, no, Adam. Workaholics, Adam. On it. No, that's good. That uh, that will be helpful for the future. Doing some yeah, yeah. live production <laughs> meeting stuff here at the beginning of the episode. It's no, 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 okay. No. Adam, Adam, come on. <laughs> Welcome to D2B2 Sports, everybody. It's been a little gap, took a little time off, a little reset button after football season. And uh, we're here to talk football because the draft is only 11 days away. It's awesome. Exhilarating stuff. It's basically a top three holiday in my book. Yeah. yeah. It the could... dra- draft is, is, is up there. The that only holiday. thing that takes it away from being a number one or number two holiday is that you don't get the day off work, which you probably should. And as far as I'm concerned, it's kind of a bummer now that it's like Thursday. I liked it when it was Friday, and I could. Is it? Am I wrong? Is it I'm, not Thursday? No, it's it is. Thursday. It is Thursday. So I liked it when it was Friday. Round one is Thursday, and then uh, rounds two and three are yeah, Friday. I liked it when it was rounds one, two, and three. Did it used to be on Friday? I don't know how they used to get down on Fridays. I Listen, I'm old enough that I'm a big fan of when that motherfucker started with round one at like one o'clock on yeah, a Saturday. I used to like it when it was like, and oh, I'm would... about to drink for nine hours. That was the, I mean, I still could do that, but you know. You still can, buddy. But it's only one, it's only I, one round. It's I kinda, will. And it's a Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, but I'm excited about it. I would prefer if you guys are in tandem with me on that Thursday. Yeah. No, I would love to. We could do a live, live maybe a live show. Or something or well i guess we'll record it we can do a recap show recap show yeah it's, it's nice live yeah. show there's gonna be too much chaos going around yeah because i want to do the gambling thing so if this thing. goes if this goes down anything like the last two draft parties it's gonna be completely fucking haywire oh okay so i'm looking forward to yeah well you know i can always like hook up a, a live mic in the corner that people can just like press record on through the night and just like lay down their thoughts real quick oh you just want to get hot like, drops from just, anybody yeah hot drops from the party that i love a hot sick drop. idea yeah. i think hot drops at the party that night will be a good time i yeah. know this guy in minnesota he's an uber driver he mails in his hot drops and then if he's got the right biomes he gets like up to 40 bucks a day for oh them. hell yeah dude 
Hell yeah, good reference. <laughs> nice, good pull. Sick. Starting right. off the show with some shit. Yeah, so we're going to get into a little little mock draft, I think, action. Yeah, man, I'm excited. So you guys are uh, going to alternate the picks up in this mock draft, correct? Format is I think this is how we're going to do this, right? I am going to make selections for all of the teams with odd-numbered picks. Adam is going to make selections for all of the teams with even-numbered picks. Adam, are there trades allowed? I would say yes if we both agree that they make sense in a in an actual world, like in the NFL world, not okay. just like something cool that we would do. So we're going to have to get approval from both members of and, the mock yeah, draft. And the judge, yeah, Judge I'm, D's. I'm here as a little bit of an arbiter, so I am a wedding DJ by profession and don't get to watch a ton of college football due to wedding season through the year. So I'm coming into draft season having not gotten to watch a ton of college football. So I'm going to rely on the experts to tell me why these players make sense for these teams. And uh, in moments like that, I'll kind of play arbiter and help make a decision if the trade makes sense. Sounds good. And I think, yeah, I got some general thoughts. This is a good time. Yeah, let's let's draft. start about broad thoughts on the draft first yeah. before we start so, making picks. So really interesting year, I think, in that I think the best players in this draft are all pr- pretty consistently undersized for their position. And it's going to be a very interesting, like, experiment in how much the NFL has changed in the last four or five years where are they down to draft a 240 pound edge rusher top 15 um are they down to draft a you know six foot receiver in the top 20 well six foot receiver is huge in this draft right yeah as far as like the top 10 wide receiver yeah and I I think also what we're seeing is just you know if, if you pay attention to high school football the advent of seven on seven has become like Huge, almost to the level of like AAU football or AAU basketball, I'm sorry. And these guys now, receivers, corners, quarterbacks, frankly, are coming in so much more polished because of how many more reps they get throughout their lives by the time they get to college football. And also, they just get the opportunity to play more. So guys that were 5'10 and really good receivers in high school 10 years ago would just become corners when they got to big programs. And now they get to play uh, receiver. So I, th- I think we're starting to see the impact of that, and I'm, I'm really interested to see how it shakes out um, because I think there's a lot of teams that might just have, you know, they have, like, requirements that you need X 32-inch arms to get drafted or something that is a defensive tackle. And there's guys in this draft that aren't going to hit those benchmarks, and are there teams that just skip them because they don't hit their benchmarks, or do they play in the gray area? We'll see. I mean, not to tip my hat too much, but I think that we – are both on the same page about what you know I'm going to forecast for the number one pick. But, I mean, how? when was the last time you thought anybody would discuss somebody taking a 5'10 quarterback with the number one overall pick in the NFL? Never. Definitely never. Even in the first round, that would have been unheard of years ago. 100%. Not even that many years ago. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, yeah, five years ago. I don't think we'd be having this discussion. But things have changed a lot, and the game's evolving. And I think the... The quarterback having to be somebody that can improvise and being able to make a sack into an incomplete pass or a sack into a two-yard gain even is now so, so valuable. Maybe it's always been valuable, but now it's being valued by NFL teams. Um, so it's really just changing the trajectory of, of the way that teams play. Yeah, um, and I think the, the understanding is that a quarterback that has the ability to do that mitigates the risk of him having passes batted down at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Because yep. all you're doing is you're turning a potential completion – into an incompletion, but that's better 
or that's less of a negative impact than turning a potential four yard gain into a 10 yard loss with the sack. Right. A hundred percent. So escapability has a lot of value. Yes. Agreed. Should we, should we get into this gentlemen? I love it. There's some uh, good broad thoughts on size in this NFL draft compared to previous years. I too am curious to see how that pans out coming into the upcoming years of football as the game continues to evolve at such a rapid pace. Let's get into the draft. Uh, Big Nick, number one overall pick. Carolina Panthers on the clock after trading away the number nine pick in this draft, a first-round pick and second-round pick in 2023, uh, also a second-round pick in 2025, and wide receiver DJ Moore to the Chicago Bears for the number one pick in this draft, Uh, a pick that the Bears got an absolute haul for. I'm kind of surprised that they got this much for moving down to number nine. I think that... uh, pretty massive win on the part of the Chicago Bears, something that the Houston Texans have to really be kicking themselves in the ass for after winning a Week 18 game at the last second for no reason whatsoever by scoring a touchdown on fourth down against the division rival and then going for two to win the game as the clock expired rather than tying it and going to overtime just to make sure that they... No longer got the number one pick in the draft. Very, very Houston Texans remover, remo- uh, maneuver. Obviously, there's no debate about the fact that the Panthers did this for a quarterback. There has been a massive swaying of the pendulum, so to speak. Only two and a half weeks ago, C.J. Stroud was the overwhelming favorite at most sports books to be the number one pick in the draft. He was up to minus 200 today. Bryce Young is minus 350 to be the number one pick in the draft. I think it's the direction the Panthers go, as well as the direction they should go. Uh, Bryce Young, despite being undersized, tremendous pocket awareness. He has the ability to read through numerous different receivers, numerous different levels. He can check down. He doesn't make bad decisions. I hate to put C.J. Stroud into the group of former Ohio State quarterbacks, but I think it's... He's a a difficult quarterback to evaluate because how do you know how good a quarterback is when he has Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, two former top 15 picks in the NFL draft, as well as Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's going to be another top 15 pick, likely. I guess we'll see in the next 45 minutes or so. But (laughs) in this NFL draft, I mean, if you have such good weapons, how do you know how good a guy is? It's difficult to evaluate. I also find it very difficult to evaluate Ohio State quarterbacks in general. And I think that my take on this is why they have not been successful in the past ever. It really only applies to the last eight years or so, but you can say ever legitimately is that all these guys in recent history have been so good. You can throw Terry McLaurin in this conversation. They've been so good that all whoever is playing quarterback for OSU, whether it's Dwayne Haskins, whether it's uh, CJ Stroud, whether it's anybody, all they have to do is look at their number one option. Who's usually open. And if he's not open is, probably big and athletic enough that he can catch over the guy that's covering him. And if that guy's not open, you just take off and run. Like, I don't ever see Ohio State quarterbacks go through progressions, but I see Bryce Young have a lot of awareness, a lot of ability to maneuver in the pocket, avoid getting hit despite his size, find an open receiver, make the right decisions. I think that's the direction you pretty much have to go for a rebuilding franchise that just gave up a lot and can't miss this pick. So Bryce Young, number one. Agree. I think that's the way it goes. I will push back. I do want to push back a little bit on the idea that C.J. Stroud, I do think, is a little bit of a different mold than previous Ohio State quarterbacks, even though maybe similar to Dwayne Haskins, in that he doesn't run, right? Um, I do think he has a decent, does a decent job of going through his progressions, and he's a really pinpoint accuracy 
thrower, but he doesn't have a cannon. And he, to me, he lacks the escapability, improvisation that you really look for. Things have to be on schedule. When he gets off schedule, he, he has struggled, except for the Georgia game. He played awesome in the Georgia game. That's it. There's no other game on his tape where he was under duress and making really, really good decisions. So I agree with the pick. I think Bryce Young has showed time and time again in college that he is able to make everybody on his team better. A lot of people think, oh, Alabama, they had a great offensive line. They did not have a very good offensive line last year. And he was able to maneuver in the pocket, make plays, keep his eyes downfield. I think think he's definitely the best quarterback in this class. So agree with that. We have a consensus at number one, and uh, Mr. Lancer representing the aforementioned Houston Texans here with the number two pick. Okay, so I think I think that the chatter here is that the Texans love Bryce Young, and I do not think they like C.J. Stroud. And I think that this would be a pick that would make a lot of sense to trade. Even more amazing that they found a way to win the last game of the year for <laughs> yeah, no yeah, fucking yeah, reason. Yeah, they really fucked that one up. But so, you know, don't, don't, wasn't their head coach fucking Lovey Smith and he knew he was going to get fired? Don't do that. It's complete sabotage. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah. Don't tell a guy he's going to get fired. He's going to be yeah. like, all right, well, gonna fire fuck guy, you guys. We'll fucking yeah, fire him right away. Yeah, we're we're going to win this last game. Fuck y'all. Fuck y'all. Yeah, exactly. Go, go Lovey. But yeah. <laughs> so I do think, to me, the trade partner that makes the most sense is probably the Colts like like this is where it gets strange right is it is are you showing your hand that you don't like CJ Stroud by even shopping the pick because the Colts pick at four and the I don't have this wrong right the Cardinals pick at three the Cardinals pick at three the Colts pick at four but I don't think it matters if you're showing your hand okay because it's a unique breakdown of the next three picks because it doesn't really matter if you're showing your hand because Arizona has already made it very clear that they're considering moving their pick okay and a lot of people have made it clear that they're interested in getting that pick so in in theory all you're doing if assuming that CJ Stroud is like the consensus board number two quarterback which he clearly is it doesn't really matter if you're showing your hand because all you're doing is you're saying hey listen we're not like shopping this but if you want to like discreetly give me a call and offer me something off the Richter because everyone else is going for the third pick like the phone i'll pick up the phone okay right so let's say that the colts make that trade i don't think we have to go into the minutia of the trade we'll say that they swap two and four and they get some future considerations that we don't really need to worry about for this exercise Fair. that's good so at two then the colts are going to take cj stroud i think he does fit what they're looking for they really need somebody cj stroud has a very very high floor in my opinion i don't think that there's a lot of chances that CJ Stroud is going to completely bottom out and be a terrible quarterback. I just think that there's a pretty high probability that he's just like slightly above replacement level for the majority of his career. Again, when things are on schedule, when everything is good around him, I think he can be an above average quarterback. When things break down, I think he's going to struggle a little bit. Um, But the Colts have been an absolute fucking dumpster fire ever since Andrew Luck retired at that position. They need to find someone with consistency, the stopgap, we're going to get into another guy in Anthony Richardson. I think that they would much rather have the proven product at this point rather than the kind of the dart throw that Richardson is. So we will go with Stroud to the Colts at number two. Yeah, after years of throwing darts and missing at the quarterback position, I think your your note about consistency and the amount of gamble you're taking if you're uh, selling additional assets to move up two picks to make that pick – Makes a ton of sense. 
I think a lot of people would object to the possibility of this happening because people just assume that you wouldn't trade a high draft pick to a division rival. But like, this happens a lot more common than people think. I mean, the, the Vikings just traded with the Detroit Lions early. 12th, I think, I believe it was 12 overall in the pick last year. Yep. Uh, the number 10 overall pick the prior year went from the Eagles to the Cowboys. Like, this is not a foreign thing, right? Yeah, and the Vikings traded the Lions a second-round pick last year for Hawkinson. The... Um, you know, the argument is, you know, I guess there's a lot of risk here because you are potentially giving a future franchise quarterback to a division rival. But if you're the Texans and he's not your guy, like he's not your guy because you don't think he's good. So if you don't think he's good, I mean, you could argue that that's a, putting him inside your division is actually fucking a great fucking place to put him. 3D chess, yeah. baby. Fucking geniuses. Geniuses breaking the matrix over here. So just to be clear, Houston's definitely not doing that because it's too smart. Exactly. So that's why this idea is is out the window immediately. I want to throw one other trade uh, partner candidate at you guys. And that would be the Atlanta Falcons at eight moving up there. No, they've, I think they've been pretty clear that they're going to roll with Ritter. Oh, okay. I I, I think maybe I'm wrong, but I've heard all the same things. And the only way, the only way that that's inaccurate is if it's a smoke screen, because it's like very clearly out there. Right. And I also, I just think, you know, the other wrinkle to this, who knows, we're not going to probably talk about it too much, is the Lamar thing. Of you know, To me, the Lamar thing makes more sense for Atlanta, even though they say they're not going to do it, or Washington. Um, but yeah, I, I, would, I would push back on that op- option. Not, I think fair. there's more quarter – I mean, to me, it's more like Raiders even. Like, I don't know. There's more QB needy teams to me, um, but there's no more QB needy team than the Colts. So I think the Colts also would probably just outbid – Sure. They're going to win. Like, Jim Ursay is fucking knocking back cocktails and Percocet, and he's winning that trade, or he's going to get that trade. You know what I mean? <laughs> Whatever it takes to get the job yeah, done, man. Yeah. Got to stay awake for three straight days. Yeah, fuck yeah. There are That's ways to do it medically. Or not medically, uh, medicinally. <laughs> Excellent clarification, Deez. So, th- okay, now this puts us in a precarious position, because the assumption has always been that somebody is going to move up to Arizona's number three pick. To get a quarterback, right? So now that Indy has already jumped Arizona, but Anthony Richardson is still on the board, who's in play to come up and still be willing to make this maneuver? Because the the word in the street is that there are six teams that have been in contact with the Cardinals about the third pick. One of them presumably has to be Indianapolis. I would assume that another team that is still interested or willing to do this would be Tennessee. Tennessee, I think, yes. The Raiders, I think. I have a hard time with the Raiders. Just because of Jimmy G? I, yeah. I mean, I don't know, like, if... It, that if feels you like a really, stopgap, though. But that's, yeah, but somehow Jimmy G has been that for a fucking decade. Yeah, but like, he, that's he was, what he, he like was the exact same... Decade, and then the <laughs> team he played for sold the farm to get Trey Lance. And then they just started Jimmy G anyway. <laughs> right. Well, like they were like, well, well you know what? Let's, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm good with it. I think, I think that this is kind of, if another trade is going to happen, this is where it happens. I'm fine with it. If you want to do it, I um, feel like it's the, it, it's the most reasonable. The only reason against this would be if Arizona does not want to move down that much or if, However, the flip side is that this is an Arizona Cardinals team that needs so many pieces from a Agreed. roster composition that if you 
are willing to bite the bullet and go down to 11, you would probably be able to acquire another future first-round pick versus going down to, like, seven, you might not get a future first-round pick. Yeah, I'm good. I'm the only thing I'll push back a little bit on is what if I mean the the rumblings seem to be that the Titans guys will Levis. So if that's true, are they moving up to get Anthony Richardson? So well, or are they moving up to get Will Levis? So I, here's the deal. I think that that works both ways because if the Titans guy is Will Levis, then I think they have to jump Houston because he's also Houston's guy. So right. if Houston picks four. And right. Will Levis is Houston's guy. Then, if they do want Will Levis, they have they have to jump Houston either way. Okay, I'm good with it. So let's 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 finalize the jump. So they're gonna go again. We're gonna do the same thing, right? They're going. They're trading 11, and then future considerations that we're not going to talk about. Yeah. We so we're only going to do the first round today, right? So yeah. I'm not really that torn on. They on have a high f- formulating yeah. exactly what, what goes into this. I would I would be comfortable adding that there's going to be a. 2024 first round pick yeah i think i think that would be it would probably be that high second and a first to move up that much but it doesn't it doesn't matter essentially we're just switching three and 11 right now for the purpose of this exercise yes indeed yeah yeah indeed so who's the player we're locking in there i'm gonna say the player is anthony richardson i know that there is uh, a lot of talk about the fact that the titans do like will levis but my assumption is that that is simply because they like Will Levis at 11, not overall more than Anthony Richardson. That's where my head is going. Uh, Anthony Richardson, best relative athletic score for a quarterback his size ever, yeah. which is a pretty staggering figure when you think about the history of athletic quarterbacks, particularly in the last six to seven years in the NFL. Definitely raw. Definitely very, very raw. Also going to a team that does not have a tremendous amount of weapons around him. They do have Traylon Burks. Uh, they did add... Uh, Derrick Henry. Uh, well, for now. Right. For now. But, I mean, as far as receivers go, ball catchers... I, I like Chig Conquo. You know, Dees, that I'm a Chig Conquo believer. Oh, Nick is indeed pro Aconquo. <clears throat> um, and this is kind of an interesting thing, because this, this, is, a, this is a two-way argument. You know, one, one argument is, is it a good thing? to put a raw quarterback into an environment that does not give him a lot of weapons. The other argument is if you don't have a lot of weapons, does it make sense to have an incredibly athletic quarterback that can make something out of nothing down the field? He's also in a position where he doesn't necessarily have to start right away. I mean, you can still start Tannehill. Without question. Right. You're going to probably want that for Richardson, it seems like. I mean, the guy has all the tools. I mean, honestly, I think that he unfairly gets compared to Josh Allen. Josh Allen is someone that struggled mightily with consistency. Anthony Richardson wasn't super consistent, but he also had what had to be one of the worst receiving cores anybody has ever seen on tape. I believe the Florida Gators were the number two team in the nation in terms of drops yeah. on catchable balls. So th- like, and I I'm mean, not talking about like like diving over the sideline. I'm talking about like just hitting right a guy in the fucking face. Yeah, and also Anthony Richardson, I think, doesn't get enough love for the fact that he was actually a really, really good processor who kept his eyes downfield and tried to make plays. He didn't just immediately go to running. Um, well. We'll see what happens. I mean, to me, yeah, I, it's I, I love this. the anti-Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, I love this. Like, I, I think that, you know, we'll probably get into it in the future, but I think if I was drafting at one overall, I would probably be taking Anthony Richardson, frankly. And, like, what you're getting, the potential that you're getting there is, it is that Patrick Mahomes-esque, I can throw from any arm slot, I can throw a defensive end off me with one hand and make a pass while I'm falling down. I mean, everything we talked about kind of with Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson could potentially do. 
on an extremely high level, on a different level, right? I'm, I'm comfortable agreeing that Anthony Richardson has the highest ceiling of 100%. any quarterback. So I, I, I like this for the Titans. I think it makes a lot of sense, and, and we'll see how it shakes out with the rest of the draft. So far, three quarterbacks in the top three. And it's, well, now, so now it gets interesting. Is, is, is there any way that four go in a row? You tell me. Houston Texans, I'm gonna number s- four. I'm going to say no. I'm to, I won't keep uh, the keep us sweating or anything i just don't see it right i don't see will levis as a guy that you're you're putting a top top five pick into um his tape to me is a guy that is is physically limited in terms of arm strength i think that he has i think he can make a lot of the throws but he can't make all the throws he's not making those you know 17 yard outs from the far hash on a on a line i don't see that um he in my opinion struggles as a processor like I don't think that he did a very good job, and he was in a really terrible situation this year. And you know, I think even if you go back to the 2021 tape, um, there were times where he he struggles to me from getting from his first read. Um, and I just don't think the Texans. I just think they need so much, and at this point, you're saying Will Levis, or are you saying Will Anderson, who might be the best player in the entire draft? Right where like they've moved down, they've collected more draft capital, and they can probably get or possibly still get the number one guy on their board. Um, I just think that that is much much more likely. An impact pass rusher is incredibly important. You know, obviously not as important as a quarterback, um, but this is not a team that is in a rebuild phase where they're a quarterback away. They they need a lot. Um, I I really think that they're going to go best player available if they make that trade down. And in this case, I'm going to go with Will Anderson. I'm on the same page here. I think that you can add a couple of things that make this the likely choice. Uh, first of all, brand new head coach D'Amico Ryans is clearly going to be a defensive-minded approach guy. Uh, furthermore, being that he's a first-year head coach, he's got more than a year of job security. So there's no need to stretch for a quarterback if you aren't in a position where you feel obligated to win right away. Right? So... When you add those two things to the fact that I think the top two quarterbacks in next year's draft class are better than any in this year's draft class, being Drake May from UNC and Caleb um, UNC and Caleb Williams from USC, you're looking at the Houston Texans as a team that needs a lot of things, does not need to win right now, and can keep their eye on a quarterback next year. That's much better than any of these guys. Right. And, and as got, long as they don't give away a game in the fourth quarter, well, the final seconds, yeah. but that they, that, I'm sorry, don't take back a game that they should have just lost. But you can Houston Texans this up next year. You can do the exact same thing and still end up with Drake May and not bend yourself over about it for now. Unless they decide they hate Drake May. It's right. a tough call. You're also, you know, you came out of this, you got more draft capital potentially for next year, depending on how that trade shakes out. That gives you more ammo to move around in next year's draft. I mean, it's all about just having the pieces where, okay, we have enough capital that we can go from six to two or whatever it's going to be next year. Um, so I think it makes a lot of sense. I think Will Anderson is someone that struggled at times on tape but to me it was more of a coaching thing where i don't understand sometimes the way alabama used him in the nfl just if he's just a pass rusher to start with he is a immediately to me like a top 15 top 20 pass rusher in the nfl he has insane bend um he has insane athletic traits he's really fast really strong he also identifies plays really well he was a really good run defender um in college, he was just put in a really difficult position sometimes. Um, 
And he had bad games. The game against Tennessee, we'll get to him probably in the first round, but Darnell Wright, the tackle, kind of got his paws on him, and and, and he struggled there because he is a little bit undersized on the edge. Uh, but if there's a guy that I think is going to unlock him, it's a guy like D'Amico Ryans who's going to say, we're going to take your best traits and utilize them, and we're not going to ask you to do things that you're not good at. Where you know Nick Saban's the kind of guy where it's like, we're not going to design an, a defense around Will Anderson. We're going to de- make Will Anderson play a position in our defense. Um, I think to speak to what you were saying before we started the exercise, he's the kind of guy that might be undersized that people are willing to make turn, an turn the head for. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, I, the negative hype around Will Anderson is really confusing to me because it seems like most of the negative attention he's getting centers around the fact that his production was based off of the fact that the rest of their defensive line and linebackers was so talented that that freed things up for him. Right. Which I find very confusing because it's exactly the polar opposite of what people said about Trayvon Walker last year. It's also like last year, every Georgia defensive lineman or front seven guys getting drafted and mocked in the first round. Yeah. It's like, what about that? But yeah. like last year, everyone was like, well, you know, we never didn't have a lot of sacks, but uh, it's only because there were so many other good guys on the defensive line. Right. I'm like, well, then then why is he the best one? <laughs> also, it's, I think it's, it's important to note that last year, every single draft expert said if Will Anderson was in this draft, he would be the number one overall pick. And here we are the next year. We have three quarterbacks off the board. Whoever gets Will Anderson is going to be very, very happy, I think. So, yeah, I think we can move on. But but I think the Texans would love this result. I think, and, you know, if they don't get Bryce Young. I think they're pissed about that. Pissed at Lovey Smith, but. Pissed at Lovey, but getting a hell of a player, it sounds like. And, oh, uh, yeah. So we've got our first non-QB off the board. Are we uh, getting another defensive player next, Nick? What? What? type of saltiness goes down at number five here so uh the seattle seahawks are on the clock with the number five pick that they inherited from the denver broncos as part of the russell wilson trade absolute thievery on the part of the seahawks i don't know if anybody could have forecasted that this would have been a top five pick after that trade went down just pete carroll the guy knows he does that's it the guy just knows there was one point last year when i think Dees and I were talking, and I, I believe I even tweeted this about how much Russell Wilson was struggling and how Geno Smith was all of a sudden a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback after sucking for nine years. And I was like, maybe it's just Pete Carroll. Yeah. Like, is that that far fetched? Coaching matters, man. Coaching, Coaching matters. fucking matters, you know? Especially when you're talking about it the very elite caliber and at the very poor caliber like the 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 middle level of coaching may not be quite as impactful but like your top tier quarter your top tier coaches and your really terrible coaches stand out i feel like yeah agree obviously in different ways but yeah yeah yes so this is an interesting position because uh as as far as i'm concerned but the the top two needs for the seattle seahawks are edge and interior defensive line <laughs> Which is just the entire defensive line. Um, I personally, I think that the, I don't know, maybe I'm just a a forgiver by nature. Maybe I'm I'm getting to this point. But I think that the negative hype around Jalen Carter, a defensive tackle from Georgia, has been unbelievably blown out of proportion. I would be more concerned about the fact that he showed up to the combine nine nine pounds overweight and not necessarily in the best shape of his career than I would be about his off-the-field issues. I kind of... Honestly, if I were an NFL GM, like I wouldn't even give a shit about that. And maybe that makes me an asshole. But I vividly recall the day when I got an alert on my phone from ESPN. And the alert said, Jalen Carter arrested in connection with death of former teammate. And I was like, holy shit. 
And then I read the article, and it took me until I got to like the fifth paragraph to find out that this headline was based around the fact that he was street racing and the guy in the other car crashed. And I'm like, this headline makes it sound like he fucking killed the guy. Like, maybe you shouldn't be street racing. It's pretty tough to argue that, but I don't know that that makes it your fault that the person you were racing against crashed and died. Would you say that that makes that your fault? Like, is this like... I don't think it makes it his fault. I definitely, I think it's something to be considered, right? That it, it is a concerning, and there's a there's a pattern of behavior for him. Um, you know, he he got a ticket for going like 40 over or something earlier in the year too. I don't care. I, I know. I'm not saying that they should care. I, but I do think for an NFL team, it's like, it's not about the choices he makes. It's about the choices he's going to make in the future, right? And I don't, I can't speak to any of that. I have no idea. And frankly, I, if it, it was just a one-off mistake, I also don't care about the instant. But is it is he one of those guys that you're just like, you're just going to do dumb shit, aren't you? You're just going to be somebody that chooses to stay up until 6 in the morning doing blow before a game <laughs> or whatever, right? Um, so you're saying he should play for the Raiders? Yeah, exactly. Or the Bengals. Oh, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think we're, we're – I'll let you get to the pick and, and then we could talk about it. Um, I think that his talent is is undeniable. I think you can make a strong argument that he's – I don't know that you can put him behind anybody else in this draft class other than Will Anderson, who we already discussed. It's an absolute need for Jalen Carter. I like the uh, I, I like the fact that this fits with Pete Carroll because of his ability to relate to players. I think that for one of the older, if not oldest, coaches in the NFL, Pete Carroll has an unbelievable way to – get players on his side right his enthusiasm his energy he's not like the old guy that's going to be the disciplinarian tom coughlin put your foot down and demand respect kind of guy he's going to be like your old best friend that's got your back and i think that has the ability to really if there are any character concerns a put those out the window and b if it's a legitimate thing hopefully move this guy in the right direction with positive reinforcement so i think the atmosphere fits i know the need fits and i i have a hard time denying the talent maybe you should have made sure you were in better shape when you got to the combine maybe you were just kind of being an asshole and your your agent who says that you're only going to interview top 10 teams says you're fine don't worry about it yeah i think there's a lot to unpack with jalen carter i agree with you that i have a hard time imagining if he's on the board for the seahawks that they're not taking him i know that for the seahawks you know there's shades of malik mcdowell in this um who obviously made some really really poor decisions for them, and I, I can't think of the GM for the Seahawks name, the GM of the Seahawks name right now, but he has made comments in the past about character being something that they were going to consider more, um, but I think there's a point where... Oh, Schneider, John Schneider. Yeah, John Schneider, where you have to just say, this guy is so much more talented, because I think that there is a substantial drop-off from... Will Anderson, Jalen Carter to everybody else in the draft. And I think you put those two guys Especially in any, at that position. Yeah. You guys you put those guys in any draft in the last five years and they're we're talking about them as top five, top ten picks, no doubt. I think there's some guys that we're gonna get to later that are like mid first, fringe first guys that just because of the way this class looks, kind of rise to the top fifteen, top ten. So I'm I'm with you. I think I think that it makes too much sense uh, with team need and everything. Um, I do think there's some risk involved, but there's always fucking risk involved. Always some risk. And here's a here's a question I want to ask you guys now that we've had two edge rushers in a row. Um, now, Jalen uh, Carter's a defensive tackle. Yeah, oh, okay. he's interior. Oh. Yeah. Well, never mind on that part of that. But I still <laughs> – um, 
is this the the label of edge as like your position feels new to me is this a new thing I don't think it's necessarily new in NFL circles. It, it used is to be defensive end. It used to be defensive end. I think what's new and what's different is that most defenses play multiple now. Where when you're hearing multiple, you mean that like there, there's a four three defense, which is four defensive linemen, three linebackers. There's three four, which is three down linemen, four linebackers. Essentially, even in a three four or a four three, there's somebody there that's either your weak side defensive end or your weak side outside linebacker whose main job on passing downs is to rush the passer. Um, it's to get, you know, you hear about guys with bend, thinking about like a Von Miller, Micah Parsons. Yeah, exactly. Which, which they don't need to be like these huge guys that are here to plug up holes. They're more just to create havoc. Um, so we've kind of transitioned into just calling them edges because depending on who drafts them, they might be a stand up end. They might play defensive end. They might be an outside linebacker, but their main job is to rush the fucking quarterback. Um, some of these guys, are more valuable, you know, I'm going to throw out my boy, Aiden Hutchinson, because they can be very, very uh, versatile. And they're like, yeah, he's an edge, but he can also play a three technique or whatever, five technique, come inside. Um, you might not be getting that out of Willie Anderson or something, but you're going to get a higher ceiling as a, as a pass rusher, for sure. Your, your traditional 15, 10, 20 years ago defensive ends like uh, Jared Allen, Michael Strahan, Reggie White, like those guys have – substantially less value now because they would not have the ability to like drop in and disguise themselves as a linebacker. Yeah. Ah. Those guys are, those guys are probably playing like defensive tackle or like three, four defensive end where they're like playing a five technique and they're two gapping, which means they're, they're responsible for two gaps. Um, a guy like that, that I think of that we may know just because of where we are regionally is Michael Morris, who's a defensive end for Michigan. Who's like six, three, two ninety or something. He's like almost 300 pounds. Like, he played defensive end, weak side defensive end for Michigan this year. He's no way he could play that position in the NFL. Nice. So, so uh, Edge a, is just like hyper athletic. That's a great description of that. Thank you. I've, I've been curious because I've been seeing the term a lot more yeah. as a position label in the past couple of years than I had ever had before. I had heard the term in relation to defensive ends, but I was curious uh, what the, why that transition was. And your uh, note about the evolution of the game makes a world of sense. So Sweet. thank you for clarifying that for me. Let's talk about the Detroit Lions pick, Adam. Detroit football fucking Give me some fucking good Lions, fucking baby. news, baby. All right. Let's the talk Lions. about the restoration of the roar. All right. The roar is fucking <laughs> restored, let me tell you. First of all, fucking Lions are ready to go. I think the Lions and the Seahawks, very similar position as a football team where it's just like took a while for the Lions to get here, but you've just built a really, really solid foundation. I have a hard time believing that the bottom falls out of this. Um, I think – you know, some people like to talk about like shades of the Browns a couple of years ago, but the Lions aren't like that. They're built; they've been building from the inside out uh, for so long. And I think as we go through this draft, depending on how things shake out, they're going to continue to do that. Um, but they are in a position now where they can really go best player on their board at this position, um, plus a little bit of team need uh, to factor in as well. Um, the Lions, I think there's no doubt that they did a lot in free agency to shore up their defensive backfield, which was historically awful last year. Um, but they still need a corner. Like there's a pretty glaring need for the Lions for a corner. So I think the question is here for the Lions is do you roll the dice and see who's available at 18? Because I do think there's one guy here, um, at corner who I fucking absolutely love, uh, who I think is going to be an absolute animal that you can draft here. But if, if the Lions aren't taking him, then I think the drop-off between corner two and corner six is pretty small. So um, 
it, to me, this this pick will come down to two players. It's how do the Lions feel about Tyree Wilson, and then what? Where do they feel about corner one on their board? Is corner one Christian Gonzalez? Is corner one Devin Witherspoon? Um, Who is it on your board? Fucking Devin Witherspoon. By a mile. So far. Yeah, like, I don't understand how anybody watches tape of either of these guys and puts them in the same stratosphere. Devin Witherspoon the answer, is a fucking it, demon. I don't want to interrupt you. I'm sorry. The answer is what you talked about uh, pre, pre-mock, is that uh, just in terms of size and stature, Gonzalez right. fits the mold of your traditional corner. Right. And now Devin Witherspoon doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Devin Witherspoon is historic. He's small. Like, he's list, a lot of people have him listed as six foot. I think he was like five, ten, and three quarters or something at the draft or at the combine. He is small, but he's got that fucking dog in him, baby. Like this guy is a fucking terror. You watch his tape and he flies. He flies around. He's talking shit. He's in people's face the whole time. And you can, I can just imagine Motor City Dan Campbell watching that tape and the way he's going to react. Just slugging thirty-two ounce coffee. Yeah. So I would be, I would be absolutely shocked if the Lions took Christian Gonzalez which I'd see a ton of people mocking. I just don't see it. I don't see them going with the traitsy, um, high ceiling, you know, low floor, risky corner pick here. If they're going corner, they're going Devin Witherspoon. But I do think there's a chance they go Tyree Wilson here. Um, Tyree Wilson is a guy who you are drafting based on potential, not necessarily about what he has done. Um, but he's huge. He's 6'6", 270. Um, he's like 22, 23 years old. He showed a really, really good motor on tape. Um, super strong. He would be someone that you can line up inside or outside on the defensive line and gives you someone that honestly reminds me a lot of a less polished version of Aiden Hutchinson. Um, they're similar size. I think Aiden had a lot more tools in his tool belt, but that doesn't mean Tyree can't get there. Um, and the Lions just have to look at it. And, and to me, I think the biggest thing is that both of these position groups are pretty deep in this draft and the Lions I believe have five picks in the first 83 or something let me just check that real quick five picks in the first 81 um they also used two two picks in the top 70 last year on defensive ends and then also found another one in James Houston in the seventh round or whatever that was so for my money I would say that the Lions are going to go corner if the board shakes out this way, we're going to go Devin Witherspoon, and Motor City Dan Campbell is sprinting up with that card, and they're you know they're going to do the little video from inside the draft room, and they're going to be pounding tables. There's going to be coffee spraying everywhere, and fucking nipples poking out of shirts, and I'm going to be right there with them. So we're we're sprinting up with the the Devin Witherspoon card. Campbell's nipples are out. Adams' nipples are out. Everybody's nipples are out. We're pumped up. There's Devin be- Witherspoon. It's gonna at be, six. It's going to be a lot of nipples out at, at the draft party here as well for the Reds. Oh, I can't wait. Nipples galore, people. All right. That, that, that's what gets us to, to Nikki's pick with the, the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders. The Raiders well are done. Uh, th- this is going to be one of the most challenging picks that I have to make here, I think. Um, it, it's... I don't know how you try to forecast what a team is going to do when they've legitimately had one good draft class in the past two decades, uh, particularly when you are continuing to use Josh McDaniels as your head coach, who has nothing but a 12-year track record of not being a good coach. Um, they seem to have satisfied all of the, the, the uh, uh, glamour positions for the most part, right? Uh, replacing Derek Carr with Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, bringing in his former teammate Jacoby Myers. 
Devontae Adams is still in place. Josh Jacobs is franchised. I, I'm confused about a lot of the media thought that the Raiders are going to be targeting a quarterback. I don't know that you bring in Jimmy G just to draft another quarterback unless you think he's going to be a developmental guy. But Jimmy G has had one of the weirdest NFL histories I've ever seen in my life. Like, oh, it's got to be one of the stranger journeys in the NFL of all time, for sure. Uh, like, first of all, you go from being a relatively high draft pick to be Tom Brady's backup, which I don't know if anyone has ever been drafted to a position of less need in the history of the NFL. And then everybody just assumes you're good because you play a couple games when Brady's not playing, and then you end up getting a monster contract to another monster contract that just be like basically a replacement level quarterback. Uh, assumed to be the groomer of Trey Lance, who you then beat out to be the starting quarterback. Um, I can't imagine the Raiders do anything on the offensive side of the ball here. If you want to tell me that they're interested in offensive linemen, I wouldn't argue too much. But the Raiders were the only team ever in the history of the NFL to blow four double-digit leads in the second half of a game last year. Only No one has ever done this before. Um, I got to assume that they recognize that this is a team that needs to stop hemorrhaging points late in the game. I'm mostly intrigued by putting Christian Gonzalez on this team. I think that this would break Atlanta's heart. I think that Atlanta, with one pick later, really, really wants to get this done. I know that the defensive line is not good either, but you already have Max Crosby. So if you have one stud on the defensive line, I think it makes more sense to try to put something into a porous defensive backfield rather than pulling the old... Uh, late part of the first, uh, 2000s New York Giants approach where you don't need a good secondary because your defensive line is so good that I don't think that necessarily would equate to today's NFL. I'm going to go Christian Gonzalez, defensive back out of Oregon. He's your prototypical size kind of guy. I, I The, the Raiders here, love traits. We know the Raiders love traits. Well, that's the thing is if there was a wide receiver that sucked but ran a 4-2-40, like I would just do that. <laughs> yeah. Like if there was Darius Hayward Bay or yeah. Henry Ruggs, like it would be an obvious choice. Um, I think Christian Gonzalez fits your traditional scheme build of a guy that could potentially be exploited by other teams that advance faster than the Raiders do. Yeah. In the evolution of football. Agreed. I don't want my my love of Devin Witherspoon to make it seem like I hate Christian Gonzalez or anything. I think he I think he is clearly the second best corner uh, available, um, and he has a lot of potential. So I, I like that. I agree with you. Um, Raiders getting some help at the defensive backfield that they they really really need. Um, that gets us to the Falcons, who I do agree. I do I do think they're a little salty about the way this has gone, but not salty that they can get um, a pretty good defensive lineman here. Uh, at this point, we've only had. One edge go off the board. I think it's pretty clear if this were to happen, shake out this way, that we would see the second edge come off the board. The question here is going to be who that second edge is. And it really comes down to two players, although someone would say three. To me, it's either Tyree Wilson or Miles Murphy. Um, some people have Lucas Van Ness in that category. I think that's fucking crazy. But, you know, I'm not an NFL GM who just salivates over whatever Lucas Van Ness showed uh, at his pro day. Uh, that shot him up draft board. So maybe he just interviewed really well. I have no idea. I think they, the positive trait is that he has more ability to drop back and play linebacker. Yeah, he's also young. I mean, uh, Lucas Van Ness is really young. So, I mean, whatever. Uh, but it comes down to Tyree Wilson, Miles Murphy. We talked about uh, Tyree Wilson a little bit already. Um, so you know what you're getting there as a guy that has a lot of potential, hasn't quite reached it yet. Um, 
but has all the all the size in the world, um, has the athleticism. Um, you know, Miles Murphy, I think, is kind of the safer pick, but definitely has the lower ceiling. Um, you know, he's a big, big guy, souped up kind of pass rusher, um, has a three down skill set. But just to me, you can get him later, or you can, again, this is a really deep, um, edge class and I think you can just get guys similar to Miles Murphy later on. So we're gonna we're gonna put in Tyree Wilson and, and all his potential here to the Falcons. Tyree Wilson. So so far, yeah, we've got three quarterbacks, couple edge rushers, couple corners, and one D tackle off the board through eight picks. Still waiting on that first uh offensive skill player, huh? taking us to an, an interesting spot here in the draft. It's not going to happen now. Uh, sure isn't. It's not going to happen now either. Uh, the, the Chicago Bears, um, after completely thieving this pick along with no, multiple future considerations from the Carolina Panthers, I think that the I think the Bears would have been bummed to see Tyree Wilson go one pick ahead of this pick. I think they may have been salivating with that being a possibility. However, they still have their choice of any offensive lineman on the board. Um It's interesting, Chicago was dead last in sacks last year. The Chicago Bears only had 20 sacks last year. That being said, I don't know that they would that they would elevate that need above having the ability to take any offensive lineman they could possibly choose from. A lot of people have mocked Paris Johnson to the Bears. I'm going to go Peter Skaronsky. I think the value here is that Skaronsky has displayed the ability to play any position on the offensive line. So if this is a, a line that has a lot of need at all positions that you can attack later in the draft, I like the idea of having a placeholder that can legitimately play tackle, guard, or center. He's even played center in his history. Yep. That you can have that versatility that gives you more options down the road later on in the draft or even in late free agency. So I like the idea of taking the Northwestern kid right in the Bears' backyard. Skaronsky. That's my Chicago accent. I was trying I thought it was reasonable. Skaronsky. Yeah. Say, say, say Skaronsky sausages. Skaronsky sausages. I don't know. Ditka. Too much in my mouth. Ditka. Um, uh, can't handle yeah. all that sausage in your mouth. It's okay. Again, a guy that There's I just so want to many. point out has really short arms. Like, this Skaronsky would have – he has essentially the shortest arms that any starting left tackle would have in the NFL. I think that's why he's bounced around so It much. is why he's bounced around. On tape, he looks really, really good. He's just one of those guys that might get, like, red flagged as um, just he's not a left tackle. But I think that's why it's really interesting for the Bears because, frankly, the Bears need a right tackle, like, super, super bad. Um, and typically when you're playing right tackle, you're not going up against – you're going up against that strong side defensive end, so you're not going up against like that athletic freak um, where you really need to get that separation and have the longer arms. Um, so you can you can kind of like be a little bit more of a mauler. Who, and he's also someone, again, that it's super versatile. It's If the Lions have showed us anything, it's you can never have too many good offensive linemen. Um, and I think you're getting the, the best offensive lineman here if you're the Bears and you're making that pick. So I agree with it 100%. Uh, even though on a, just from a measurable standpoint, he might not be exactly what you're looking for. Um, but I think you are correct in this in this pick. This puts us in an interesting place because I, I, I'm not trying to steal your thunder by any means, but at number 10, in our mock with Will Levis still on the board, is there any chance the Eagles actually make this pick? 
The Eagles, Howie Roseman loves to maneuver around the draft board. Yeah, I think I think there's a really high probability they trade down unless they love one guy enough and think, wow, we're not going to be able to get him. Um, that guy, I think, is Bijan. And it's, it's a really weird thing because I, it's hard. You go down the draft board and, like, when does Bijan come off? I don't know. But, like, there's a lot of talk that a lot of teams have Bijan in their top five in terms of just best player in the draft. It's just that his position is one that we just do not value anymore. But Bijan is a guy that I think you have to look at. He's not Saquon, but he's a guy like Saquon where it's like you don't find replacement level guys that can do this, right? You can find a lot of guys in round five, six, seven that can take handoffs and get four and a half yards of carry with a good offensive line and put up good stats. Like if that's what you're looking for, you can find that anywhere. Bijan is an explosive athlete that I can't really put on a better team than the Eagles. Um, And I also just feel like when you look at things like this, like Nick is an, is a Giants fan. He probably doesn't like the Eagles very much. How would you feel if the Eagles drafted B. John Robinson? I'm pretty confident that I said the Eagles were going to draft B. John Robinson on this show in December. Yeah. He's like, I'm he's like, like almost, literally the perfect running back for that system. They just lost Miles Sanders. Right. Their next probably biggest need is corner, and the top two corners already came off. I could also see them going offensive line. So I guess the question is, are they trading down? Do you want to do some kind of trade? Do you have something in mind? Or do we have them keep the No, I don't have anything in mind. I think that if it fell this way, that would be the most likely outcome. Um, I guess what would make it difficult for me is I think if anybody was going to move up, it would be somebody that was quarterback needy. I don't know that anybody else moves up on this board. Right. The only team I can think of and that we just don't know about would be Washington. They just got new ownership. Do they want to make a splashy move and move up? And would, again, it's interdivision. Would the Eagles even consider that if they do? I think the Eagles would. I don't think Howie Roseman cares. I think Howie Roseman says, I want to make my team as good as I can, and you guys can figure that out on your own. Um, I guess the the question would be, who are they moving up for? Um, If you want to tell me that the Jets are going to move up because they want to get ahead of uh, what is now Arizona and Houston to get Paris Johnson. I could see that being a possibility. But the, the problem there is that they're going to have to give up picks that are basically destined to go to Green Bay to get Aaron Rodgers right. at this point. Okay. Right? Let's um, just stick with... What, what if you did... Could you see Minnesota coming up to take Will Levis? I could, but I think that that just opens up this can of worms that we don't want to get into of like, then what do you do with Kirk Cousins? Like, I do think that that's a possibility. But I also think when you look at the draft board... Is this just a fall for Will Levis? Where, like, are you sitting there at what is Minnesota probably has, like, the 20-something pick? And are they just uh, Minnesota going... Minnesota is 23. Are they just going, I think that he might be there? Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know that Minnesota has to come up this high. I think right. I think if, well... It's it's difficult. I we'll think cross this bridge. For, but. for this for this exercise, I think the Eagles are going to stick with the pick and take Bijan. Because I just think... I mean, the Eagles, again, they have... Of course, they have three more picks in the top hundred after this. They can they can get corners. Corners pretty deep in this draft. Um, they can get offensive line. If Minnesota wants Will Levis, they have to get ahead of Houston at twelve. Probably in this scenario, that's that's where Will Levis goes, right? I think. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. I think Bijan. I don't know. I would hate to see it happen. The only other thing that they would do here, I think, would be would be Paris Wilson. I mean, I don't know what other direction they go, right? Wait, does Houston? I thought we traded 
Arizona's pick. Houston has pick 12. Oh, shit. That's Cleveland's pick. Houston has pick 12. Uh, that belongs to yeah, the Cleveland yeah, Browns. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you're right. I'm going to go that the Vikings are not going to do that. That seems too crazy to me. I think that's fair. Um, listen, from a, a fit and from a ability to take advantage of having an unbelievably explosive high-caliber player for five years <laughs> at the running back position, which is exactly what you need, I, I think it, 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 it makes a world of sense, right? And I think you made a good point when you were – you were mentioning how you can get a guy in the fourth or fifth round that can do one thing that running backs do well, right? right. But Bijan does all of those things. Well. Yeah. He's explosive. He's strong. He can break tackles. He can catch balls. He's actually a fairly decent blocker, which is something you wouldn't even think about or consider, but that's that's on the board as well. I hope this doesn't happen. I think it would be, exactly. a, I think exactly. it would be a, an ingenious maneuver. That's what I was trying to get you know? at. It's like the best picks are the ones where you were thinking and like the arrival teams are just like, please don't fucking do that. Please don't fucking do that. And for me, if I'm if I'm a Giants fan, if I'm a Cowboys fan, I do not want the Eagles getting Bijan Robinson. So we're going to do it. Doing it. Bijan at 10. Which brings up the Cardinals with the Titans pick that we just did that trade for. That is correct. Cardinals on the clock at 11. Big Nick, what is Arizona thinking here? Primary needs for the Arizona Cardinals, I have edge and cornerback, which has completely been slaughtered in this draft. Both have indeed been slaughtered in this draft. Completely slaughtered. Secondary needs, I've got uh, glamour positions, wide receiver, and running back, and interior O-line. Probably not reaching for an interior offensive lineman. The Cardinals are in a precarious position, right? Because this is a team that should be thinking long term, <laughs> as in nine years from now, <laughs> based on how many things this offensive team, uh, this the, <laughs> everything needs. You're also not going to be competing this year at all because you're not going to have your quarterback for the entire year, or at least most of the year. And if you rush him back at two and ten, it's probably a horrendous decision. Um, I guess, assuming that they don't trade down again in this scenario, uh, this just seems like a place where you take a guy that is going to be safe, right? As a team that has a lot of needs. They really need to be safe. You can't, you, you can't like mess this up, no, you right? You got to take a guy that is incredibly high floor, yes. maybe not the highest ceiling, but you can't bust yes, on this pick, right? So... I think I don't. I mean, Adam, you may you may disagree with me here, but like, why not take Paris Johnson? I agree. I think Paris Johnson is a really safe tackle. I I agree, actually, spot on. I I don't think he has. I think if you go look in like the last four or five years of offensive line classes, he he's not on that like Sewell, um, Slater kind of level. Sure, but I think he's like right there with like Darrison guys like that, and you know. He played in a he he played against some really good edge rushers his he's last an, year. He's an absolute plug and play starter. Yeah, he's going to start for you throughout his first contract, and you're probably going to want to give him a second contract, and you're not going to have to worry about left tackle for eight years. So, a hundred percent agree. I think it think it makes a lot of sense. Cross a massive positional need uh, as a franchise off your board. Yeah, figure and, out the rest. And again, when it comes to just team building, you know, left tackle is obviously a premium position one when, when where that's expensive. You're fucked as far as the Cardinals go with the with the Kyler contract. You have to have 
premium guys that you're drafting for the way that you build your salary cap. Like that has to go into the equation of who you draft and getting somebody in a premium position like left tackle to me makes a lot more sense than them reaching maybe for a corner or something here. So. Well, I think the model here works both ways to what you're speaking to. I think that a, because you are dedicating so much money to this quarterback, you need to dedicate less money to other positions Agreed. that normally are high paid positions like left tackle. But that also coincides with the fact that you have to keep him healthy. Yep. So you actually satisfy both needs by taking this pick right here at the same time. Yes. And that takes us to Houston at 12, who I think if this happened, they would, they would have to draft uh, Will Levis. I don't think that we have to talk about it too much. We've kind of gone through the quarterbacks. I think Houston would be really, really happy with this. Um, I think a lot of chatter is that Will Levis, they kind of see Stroud and Will Levis on a similar level. You're able to get more draft capital, move back, get a guy that still gives you a future. Who is the Texans starting quarterback today? I guess Davis Mills. Davis Mills, right? Okay, so... You're immediately going to probably be starting Will Levis, I'd imagine. Um, but you don't have to, I guess. But yeah, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. Will Levis with the pick at 12. The New York Jets at pick 13. Um, I know that a lot of people are debating that this could still go to Green Bay. We touched on this. I don't think it's going to happen. I think if it was, it already would have. Right? So Agree. I'm not willing to entertain the notion of this pick getting traded anywhere other than to Green Bay, and I'm pretty strongly of the mind that it won't be, because my assumption is that the Jets have committed themselves to the thought process that if they are going to trade for Aaron Rodgers, they need to subsequently upgrade their offensive line, which would lead to uh, Georgia offensive tackle Broderick Jones. Yep. Big 6'5", 3'11", has played left tackle. Uh can pair him side by side with Mackay Becton, whose future is probably not as safe as they thought it was years and years ago. That being said, I, I can't imagine. Can you imagine the Jets going any other position? I mean, maybe this isn't their guy as an offensive lineman, but they're not going to go anywhere else, right? No, I mean, I could see, like, again, premium position. If for some reason somebody in that loves Miles Murphy, loves this guy as a defensive end, I don't think you ever can have too much pass rushing talent. Um, so I could see them going, if they have, you know, on their board, best player available, they had Miles Murphy ranked in the top eight or nine, and he's still there, which teams might, um, or maybe like a Nolan Smith. But it's sure. definitely not really a need for them. And I do think if you're getting Aaron Rodgers, you have to shore up the offensive line. Makes a lot of sense, Roger Jones. So, agreed there. Um, which takes us to 14. This Now, so here's the, the ultimate wild card of the first round. Yeah, the Patriots, right? Always the wild card. I think this is difficult, right? Because you try to, we're trying to do this in a way that is um, realistic. And I think, like, if I were to just look at the top three players that are getting mocked to the Patriots, it is not realistic at all for me to think that any of them are going to actually go to the Patriots because it seems like they always do something uh, a little bit out out of the ordinary. Um, But they need a tackle, they need a corner. They need a pass rusher. Um, they need wide receivers. They need wide receivers. Um, but I, I do think that you have to sometimes just look and say, who is available, right? And and who – I think a lot of times what the Patriots do is they, they tier guys, right? So they have their tier one, those guys are gone on the top ten, then their tier two, and then they go, I don't care who's available in tier th- – like, like that this guy in tier three is – 
ranked at 45. We need this position. We have him in an acceptable place to draft, so we're going to take him. And I think we saw that last year with Cole Strange. And you know what? Everybody shit on that pick, and Cole Strange was fucking awesome as a rookie. Um, guard, I don't know if you're you're familiar, but or if you remember, but he they drafted Cole Strange like a hundred, maybe I'm exaggerating, but quite higher than anybody had ever imagined he would go, and he started, and he was really good. Um, I mean, an organization that I think deserves some credit for draft quality in the past twenty years. I yeah. mean, obviously, like Brady Belichick helps a ton, but they don't win the seven rings they win without also having quality drafts over the years for sure. pretty consistently. My, my idea, my thought here goes to two guys in particular. I think that there is one offensive lineman in this draft who is incredibly fucking interesting in that he is an absolute animal. We talked about him briefly earlier, but Darnell Wright for Tennessee shut down Will Anderson in that game this year, but he is also a guy that is a right tackle. For whatever reason, they played him at left tackle last year, and he could not play it. Some guys are just set up where their body mechanics or for whatever reason, they just aren't as comfortable kicking to the left. And, and that's Darnell Wright. And he kicked to the right and he beat the shit out of guys. I mean, he was a fucking animal. Uh, but this is kind of high to take a right tackle, a guy who's only going to be a right tackle, um, in my opinion. The other guy that I just think still you have to consider is Jackson Smith and Jigba here. Um, that seems almost like too chalky maybe for the, the Patriots to do. But I, I see a guy that we probably know based on his skill set that Bill Belichick would be salivating over. I mean, we know Bill Belichick loves slot receivers, guys that are really precise in their routes, guys that come out and catch with their hands. I'm not sure where the discourse went with Jackson Smith and Jigba that he somehow had a disappointing combine just because he ran in the four fives for his 40, but he had like 98th percentile agility in the combine and this is coming off of a year that he barely played yeah he, he had so, a, he had a soft some people shit on that but it's like dude had a soft tissue injury he tried to come back against iowa and he got hurt then he like we don't know those injuries are re like re-aggravate and he played in an offense with garrett wilson and chris olave and you could argue was the most impressive of those three and i'm not just talking about oh the two corners are, you know your two primary corners are on these guys so now Jackson Smith and Jigba gets to to work in the slot and, and you're, he's being covered by linebackers like that's not how it really worked and then those two guys didn't play in the last game of the year and Jackson Smith and Jigba had like 357 receiving yards or something against Utah and one of the most bonkers performances I've ever seen I think he had five touchdowns I fucking love this guy again you people if you're listening you probably know where we're located in Michigan but big Michigan football fans I fucking hated having to play against Jackson Smith and Jigba. He was, to me, just as good on the same level as Garrett Wilson and um, Olave. Chris Olave. I, I think that I'm going to go that route for the Patriots. They need some juice. They did just get uh, J.J. Smith-Schuster, Schuster-Smith, whatever, the law firm, part two in uh, <laughs> New England. But I think, I think that doesn't preclude you from getting another slot. And a guy that potentially could play on the outside. I, I, I kind of push back a little bit against this idea that he can only play in the slot. He did only play in the slot. But I think, you know, he's small, but he's not like 5'9". I mean, he's 6 feet tall. 6 foot 1, I think. Um, not much smaller than Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that for the Patriots. Our first wide receiver off the board... Uh, JSN uh, 6'1", 
196. Yeah, a little slight, a little slight, but you know, that's the new era, baby. Bunch of mighty mouses running around. Yeah, or just skinny boys. I mean, six one's not like tiny. No, that's a good point. But yeah, it, the- they're skinny, dude. That's the biggest difference, I think. And that takes us to 15, and, and uh, everybody's favorite team, except for mine, fuck the Packers. I think that your your JS, your JSN pick would have been very disappointing for the Green Bay Packers. I think that the Packers yeah. would have been salivating to potentially pair JSN with Christian Watson uh, simultaneously. This is a curious scenario as well, right? Because I... I'm relatively convinced this is going to be a a pass catcher. I think this will be an offensive weapon. <laughs> It'd be so funny if they drafted a receiver here after never doing it for Aaron Rodgers. I know. I know. That's exactly <laughs> the ultimate see you later, buddy, <laughs> maneuver off. ever. Um, that being said, I did say uh, a pass catcher. I did not say Ooh. Jameer Gibbs. I'm going to say I'm going to say tight end Michael Mayer to the Green Bay Packers Man. makes a world of sense here. It's a tight end that can line up in the slot, has uh, tremendous pass catching ability, also a fantastic blocker. Uh, it does basically everything well you want from a tight end. It's a it's a little bit of a jump here to take a tight end at 15 overall that doesn't have the doesn't have the ceiling you normally see for these guys in terms of like. He's not a Travis Kelsey-esque tight end. He, he's more in the mold of like a Jason Witten, I would say. Um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just who you're getting, right? You're not getting this like super dynamic athlete. Um, you're getting just like a really, really solid guy who with fucking awesome hands. I mean, that he, he has big old kitchen mitts and catches everything. My theory here is that uh, having Christian Watson, who's like your prototypical ex-outside receiver, if you take a tight end... You can satisfy, well, if you take, not a tight end, but if you take this specific tight end, if you take Michael Mayer, it can satisfy your need for having a pass-catching tight end and a slot receiver simultaneously, Yeah, being that he is comfortable lining up in the slot. And I think you also look at the strengths, like, this team is going to be built in a different way than it ever has before. The strengths of the team are the two running backs. Um, this guy helps with the blocking. He's going to give your first-year starting quarterback, Jordan Love, some some serious uh, little check-down ability and, and a big catch radius, so... You know, to me, he's the he's my second ranked tight end on the board, but the fit makes a lot of sense to the Packers. Um, and yeah, you know, Notre Dame tight ends, man, big old white boys. Do the Packers have any receivers on their roster other than Watson and Romeo Dubs Dobbs Dubs? I don't know if they have any other receivers uh, on the roster. I think at all, all the other receivers went to the Jets. Yeah, they're all. <laughs> <laughs> Do they still have? Uh, that white kid, Jared Aberdeer. I'm just kidding. That was like seven years ago. Oh, my uh, God. What was that guy's name? <laughs> Aberdeer. I don't know. He played at Wisconsin. I don't know. Jared Aberdeer-Deans? I don't know. Someone out there will yell at us. Um, yeah, I, I, the pick makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and that puts us on, on, on the Washington football team, the commies. As, uh, commies on the mound. Commies on the mound. On the mound? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. All right. The commies are on the mound. They're ready to spread the wealth. You know what I mean? They're ready to make sure that everybody gets a red car. I see what Uh, you did there. Yeah. Nice. As opposed to redskin. Yeah, exactly. Redskin potatoes. Um, (laughs) The number one team need was fulfilled earlier this week when they got a new owner. Um, (laughs) So that's good. So you go into the draft with your team needs, your number one need filled, right? Um, and that takes us 
to to what I think is an interesting thing because I was hoping you were actually going to draft them, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> yeah, no, no, Lex Luthor, straight straight up, super um, sleeper. Yeah, but I, I think it's really interesting because I think guys come in. You're the owner. You just bought this shiny new toy, and you want to do something. And I don't know shit about. Actually, I do know a little bit about the ownership group that bought the Commanders. Right? They're, this isn't your typical ownership group where it's not their first rodeo. They own the Sixers, and I think they own an NHL team as well. Um, so maybe they're not going to come in and, and do something too crazy. Um, but I think that the the Commanders are in an interesting place in that. They are also kind of in the Lions, Seahawks, like, could I compete in the NFC conversation? Except they just don't have a quarterback, really. Um, I mean, it depends how you feel about Sam Howell. I think we know who um, Jacoby Brissett is. You know, I think you can be relatively successful with Jacoby Brissett. Um, And I'm not going to pretend like I know a ton about the roster of the Commanders. Um, it's not a team I've paid a ton of attention to, but I do know that they have struggled, um, at the tight end position for a long time. I do think that this would be a place where, you know, you have Logan Thomas there. I can't think of another tight end of note on that team. Um, I do think they need some more juice offensively. You have decent running backs. You have a couple receivers that have really flashed, but lack some size, right? You have Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson, who are both kind of like, and Curtis Samuel, who are all this kind of like, kind of what we're talking about today, these like guys that were kind of like slot mavens, um, who can play on the outside. Terry McLaurin's been awesome, play above their size, but you're lacking that really, really big body. Um, So I'm going to go with my boy Dalton Kincaid here. Um, Everybody knows who Dalton Kincaid reminds them of, right? Like nobody's watching that tape and thinking about anybody other than Travis Kelsey. I thought you were going to say Todd Heap. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I wasn't, yeah, that was more than Michael Mayer, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think you got to reach for something here. I think it's exciting. Um, super, super instinctual player, um, that just tends to make big plays at big moments. Um, he's a good route runner and he has that, um, ability after the catch to just really make something out of nothing. Whoever the quarterback there, they're going to need somebody with a big catch radius. I think that fills that need for them. Um, cause you don't really have that option, um, elsewhere in the draft or in the first round, at least in terms of the receivers on the board, except for one guy that I'm not going to draft. I don't think. Love it. Back to back tight ends here at the 15, 16 swap oh, dead yeah. middle, dead middle of the first round. We're getting to a couple tight ends. The NFC arms race is interesting. You brought this up in a more broad context when you're talking about teams like Detroit, Seattle, Washington, who are all in a spot that are close to being relevant to competing, especially in such a weak conference right now when you really look up and down. Obviously, Philly's elite. San Francisco, if one of their quarterbacks gets healthy, is elite. But outside of that, the conference is very up for grabs right now. So seeing teams like this go out and add another real weapon to their offense makes all kinds of sense in a year that the conference is very much up for grabs. And in spite of the NFC East all being uh, competent last year, I, I do think that the overall success of that division was a bit of a mirage. I don't think all four of those teams are as good as the overall division record stood. Yeah, I mean, I, I think 
you're just in a position where a lot of teams are not in like a full rebuild and a lot of teams are not also like solidified to know exactly who they are. This year is going to be really interesting. Like you could see the Vikings go into a complete rebuild and, and make a trade that, you know, we've kind of mentioned with Kirk Cousins. There's been grumblings about that. Um, or you could see, you know, them kind of going for it one more year, keeping the band together and seeing what can happen. You could see the Packers completely falling apart. Um, you could see the Packers being relatively competitive in a weak NFC. I don't know. Um, so I think, you know, th- we know the NFC South is going to be an interestingly bad, like a, a rough division. So fascinatingly <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Fascinatingly but also, terrible is right. Yeah, so I don't think you're going to get like a, a, a big push there. So it's just the way the schedule works out, right? The NFC East gets to play a lot of bad teams in the rest of the NFC. Um, so we'll, we'll see. But I, I think the NFC East... I think all four teams in the NFC East could make the play. Like, it wouldn't shock me if, if any of those teams made the playoffs. Sure. Yeah, no. Um, I, yeah, I don't could, think you could say that about another division in football. But that's not just because those teams are great. It's also because of the situation. Yeah. No, the situation matters there for sure. And uh, the NFC being in a teeter like we're talking about matters there for sure. And the expanded field, all those things are relevant. Um, yeah, three teams coming out of the NFC East a second time in a row – would not be that shocking. And Washington replacing one of those other three. Be, well, they won't replace Philly. But they, like Dallas could stumble or New York could stumble. And Washington could leapfrog over either of them within the division. Yeah. But anyway, it's a Steelers pick. Which is an interesting one. The way, this bro, uh, the way that this is broken down thus far, if you look at this board, I feel like almost everybody would want to put Joey Porter Jr. on the Steelers. I right. think that everybody... They do need corner like pretty Looks bad. at the lineage, a lineage, they look at the need, and they say, oh, of course the Steelers want Joey Porter Jr. He's Their pretty, dad played for them. He's pretty good, too. Um, I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm going to follow a, a, a different uh, Pitt legend who said that this guy that you mentioned earlier could potentially be the best player in this draft overall, which I think is a little bit of an over-exaggeration. I would say a massive, but yeah. However, uh, Lewis Riddick says that your boy Darnell could be the best player in this draft. Hell yeah. So I think that at a position of need with a young quarterback and a desire to keep that quarterback safe, I think, uh, I think you know, uh, Tennessee tackle Darnell Wright makes a world of sense for the Steelers at this pick. Also, uh, a lot of connections here, rumored that they were – basically shadowing him at uh at his pro day future pro bowler darnell Wright. yeah i love the pick i think that i think that it's just one of those things darnell it's it's gonna be very interesting because darnell Wright. if you asked him are you a right tackle or left tackle he's gonna tell you he's a left tackle because there's such a pay disparity between the two positions which he's gonna work for for the next four years similar to we saw um Orlando Brown Jr. kind of thing that's been going on. Or Debo Samuel. Like, I'm <laughs> yeah, not a running back. Right, I'm a wide right, receiver. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it, it's one of those things. But I think, um, you know, as somebody that pays attention to offensive line, I think he has the most impressive tape um, of all the linemen. He just plays a non-premium position. Um, but, yeah, this does seem like a very steelers e pick. Um, I do – I didn't think it. I didn't didn't cross my mind until you said it. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I like it. And if I'm the Detroit Lions, I'm just like <laughs> I'm just like what the fuck just happened, right? Um, this this is not something that I expected to be available to me, and I don't even know if it necessarily is a huge need for them. But they're they're taking Nolan Smith here. There's no way that you're not taking someone with that much pass rushing 
juice, you could say like, okay, well, you already have James Houston, who kind of diamond in the rough that you found the last year. They might play kind of a similar position. Um, Nolan Smith is somebody that is, again, incredibly small <laughs> for his position. He's a six foot two, two hundred and thirty eight pound defensive end slash edge slash outside linebacker, whatever you want to call him. That is tiny, um, but he was an absolute animal in college. He has incredible quickness. Um, and you don't need him in the Detroit Lions defense to be someone that can be a run stopper. He can start his career by being a situational pass rusher, and we kind of build him out from there. Um, this guy ran a 4.3940. Um, he had a 41.5-inch vertical jump. Um, I'm not going to go through it, but he was basically in the 91st percentile or above in every testing category. Um, and he also showed it on tape. The other thing about Nolan Smith is that he is a very, very willing um defender against the run he's he's a guy with all the pass rushing tools but he doesn't play like a guy that's only interested in rushing the passer uh he has top tier athleticism good length he's got a three down skill set i think the lions would be ecstatic if he somehow fell to him and now i'm like going back through the draft because i just this isn't even something i ever thought possible and now i'm looking at it and just thinking like it'd be really cool if the draft shook out exactly this way for me yeah. yeah, that's what I'm talking about, baby. Yeah. More roar. Oh, the roar would be fully, fully bricked up at that point. I've got to regroup here because I was fully committed to that being the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pick at uh, at 19 overall. I think that that's a guy that Todd Bowles could absolutely maximize the potential. He could unlock the potential of Nolan Smith. Uh, Devin White and Levante David, both free agents next year massive need for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who were probably dying to grab Nolan Smith at 19 overall. Now that that is not going to come into realization, I I guess I got to switch. Man, we got to shift gears here. We're going to say the Buccaneers trade down to pick 23 with the Minnesota Vikings. Okay. Minnesota Vikings leapfrog the Chargers and the Baltimore Ravens to make sure they get their hands on Jordan Addison, wide receiver out of USC. All right. I think the Chargers and Ravens absolutely both have their eyes on wide receivers. I would have loved to have tried to pull something off that involved uh, Lamar Jackson skipping town and going somewhere else to a team at the top of the draft board in exchange for that pick. I think the Odell Beckham signing basically nullifies the possibility of that happening, right? Yeah, I also just think, like, unfortunately, the way that that um, non-exclusive tag shakes out is that a team can just wait until after the draft and then offer the contract, and then their two first-round picks they wouldn't have to give up wouldn't be until next year. So, ooh, that's a savvy approach. Yeah, that had never crossed the, my mind. The, yeah, the the non-exclusive tag thing is really interesting. We've never really seen it, so it really precludes them. I don't think he can actually be traded. You would have to off because he's right now he hasn't signed a tender and he's not under contract. He would have to. Because he, he's being offered a franchise tag that he hasn't agreed to yet. He could potentially sit out. So he's he, you would have to sign him to a tender, and then the Ravens would get the opportunity to sign him. And if they chose not to, you would be forced to give him two first-round picks. So they would just wait to do that offer until after the draft. So I think that I think you're right about that, but I think the flip side would be that it would be like a sign-and-trade agreement. Yeah, there there like, is a possibility he would, he would agree yes. to a, an extension with the Ravens and would then be traded. But the only way that they would do that is if the only way the Ravens would do that is if it either you're right guaranteed them picks this year, yeah, or got them more than 
than like what some other team is going to do. Right. right. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. Um, but Jordan Addison, man, that's a guy I don't like. Um, but I think that teams probably like him. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's pounds. just one of those things. He, Jordan Addison is the best of the wide receivers that are smaller than me. Yeah. In this draft class, which the is top. tons of wide receivers that are smaller than me. He's 5'11", 173 pounds. So he's basically one inch shorter and about 10 pounds lighter than me. Right. I think you're Maybe also... Maybe 15 pounds during the winter. Yeah. Putting him in a position where <laughs> you know he's going to have the best receiver in the NFL outside of him um, gives him probably his best opportunity to be successful. So I don't like hate the pick or anything. I just... I do think there's some smoke here uh, to the to the chatter about a lot of teams not having multiple receivers with first-round grades. I think that's something that we've become so used to over the last few years that we, there's going to be four or five receivers taken in the first round. I think we're used um, to guys coming into the first round that we did not expect to be. Yeah, exactly. Round. And I do, I do think we might see a little bit of a pushback on that this year just because these guys are just like so – like even Jordan Addison, who's not like tiny. I think he's like 5'11", but he's like 170-something pounds. Like these guys are like small dudes. 173. Small dudes. Like it's crazy. Um, I can – yeah. That's wild. But but I, I, I could see it happening. Um, and I do think that this would be kind of an indication like we're talking about that the Vikings are like, we're getting the band back together and we got to try this for one more year and, and make some sense. So I'm good with it. And that gives us gets us to twenty. Who has Seattle? Seattle back on the board, maybe with their own pick this time. I I know who I would take with this pick. Okay, but I, I'm going to let you do your. Well, thing. Let me do my thing, and then we'll talk about it because I don't know if I have like the the strongest um, thoughts. They already got Jalen Carter, so they they kind of crossed off that interior defensive line need. Um, they do still need O line. They need corner. And they, they need edge rusher. And I think NFL, it's just like, well, anybody would, would say I need an edge rusher all the time. Um, you still do have a couple guys on the board that I think they'd be pretty excited about getting. And I think Joey Porter Jr. is someone that they could potentially take. Um, but I think Miles Murphy is another guy that I think that they would be pretty excited about getting down here. Um, or do they go interior offensive line and, and, and we see the first guard go off the board here? Um, are any of those guys who you were thinking? Nope. Tell them, talk to me. Uh, I think that this is a good stop for Lucas Van Ness hmm. on this board. I think if you can have the opportunity to use two first round picks at five and 20 on both an interior defensive lineman and rusher at the same time, I think that gives you a, the ability to lock both of these guys up for five years. And it's something you don't need to worry about for a long time. Gotcha. If you're right. Yeah, I think I think I'm with you on that. I just think, to me, Miles Murphy's the better player. Um, I guess I don't know what the Seahawks think, but I'll go Miles Murphy here, just because I think they're incredibly similar. <laughs> like I'm just looking at their sizes. Miles Murphy is six five two sixty eight. Lucas Van Ness is six five two seventy two. They're both twenty one years old. They're both you know guys that. I think can line up inside or outside. I don't think you can really go wrong here. It's just going to be like, what flavor ice cream do you like better? And I'm going to guess that they like the Miles Murphy flavor. <laughs> <laughs> really petered out on that last part. Of the yeah, I was. Then. I was just thinking about putting. Never mind. 
Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> if you were Dees, uh, big big question for you. If you were Miles Murphy flavored ice cream, what oh, would man. you be? Knowing nothing about Miles Murphy except for that his name is Miles Murphy, I'm guessing it's vanilla ice cream with like pecans on top. On top? Well, like mixed in. I don't know. <laughs> like like so you like, open it and it's just like, a bunch it's of like pecans vanilla, you got to get like through. Vanilla, one layer of nuts. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> no, we'll say mixed in. It's like vanilla pecan. Then what's Lucas Van Ness taste like? That's exactly what I was going to ask. Ooh, Lucas Van Ness is like moose tracks. Van Ness, it's fancier. It's like ex- ex- exploratory. Van Ness sounds like someone who explores jungles and stuff. Okay, and then and that person enjoys tastes like moose tracks. Moose tracks. <laughs> okay, yeah, man. All right, cool. Very exploratory flavor. Yeah, that's exploratory. Isn't moose tracks just like chocolate with fudge and vanilla and like peanut butter cups? Okay, that's exploratory. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's well. It's if you the were gonna... tracks in the name is really what I was going oh, for. Oh, I see. You're like exploring. You're li- yeah, you're taking like it tracks. very literally. Yeah, it was very literal okay. on the tracks. Right, I thought you were saying that. exploratory. Like no, this is a, that one this was as much about the flavor combo. as the name. Yeah. Okay, I see where you're going. I was thinking you were taking it literally in a different sense, which is naturally, if you're in the jungle, the most common animal you'll see will be a moose. The moose. Okay. Well, now we're on the Chargers. Moose of the Amazon. We're on the Chargers, and I know who I would pick if I was the Chargers here. Is it a moose? No, it's not. But it's Nikki's pick, so we'll do a similar thing. Ooh, I'd I'd like to see what Nikki thinks. I'm torn. I'm very torn by the way that this played out because (laughs) uh, contradicting what I just said. I think I think either one of the tight ends would have been a fantastic pick here. The Chargers have been very, very vocal about the fact that they want a wide receiver early in the draft. I find that to be a confusing approach. I do look at it with one thing, which is that you have a guy in Justin Herbert who can throw the fucking ball farther than anybody in the NFL, except for Patrick Mahomes, probably. And then you have no receivers that can take advantage of that, basically. Because they just have, like, old Keenan Allen, who's really, really good, but isn't going to take the top off. And then you have Mike Williams, who's a slow guy, but he's huge, but he's not going to take the top off. So this is a, this is Zay Flowers for you? To me, it's Jalen Hyatt, actually. Ugh. It's it's that you literally just put him and you go, you'll just do the Tennessee thing. You're just going to run far as fuck. And he's just filling that one need. Um, But don't you feel like... So to me, Zay Flowers can do that as well, but he's also like a, a yak monster. Right? Yeah. He's a yards after the catch guy, where I think Jalen Hyatt is just more of a Sonic the Hedgehog, see what the fuck happens kind of guy. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. Like, I definitely think Zay Flowers is like the better prospect. I just think when you fit them in, I could just see them going like, oh, Jalen Hyatt's going to completely... It's not just about what the who the player is, but just what he does for the offense. Um and I could, I could see them making that decision. He's, he's also, he's the most, uh, we mentioned this earlier, he's the most polarizing wide receiver on the board for me. Yeah. Because I, the the offense that the Tennessee Volunteers run is nothing like an NFL offense. No. It's and, so hard to translate. Right. Agreed. So, I mean, I, I think Zay Flowers would make some some amount of sense here, too. Um, you know, I, I'm, I don't know a ton about Zay Flowers other than what I've learned in the last few months where, like, I definitely watched a lot of Jalen Hyatt, so that's probably, like, coloring some of my... I didn't watch a lot of Boston College. Sorry. Um, so that's probably coloring some of like my thoughts is when I think about like a guy that's going to just, you know, I'm thinking like a Ted Ginn that's just going to like completely, not the best receiver, but he's going to completely change the way teams have to defend you. So it's interesting that uh, 
Jalen Hyatt is three inches taller, but he weighs less than Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers is uh, <laughs> Zay Flowers is five nine one eighty five. Hell yeah! Uh, Jalen Hyatt six foot one seventy five. Well, draft the the skinnier one. I don't know. Yeah, they probably wouldn't do that. Maybe. Words to live by. Yeah. Just take the skinnier one. Yeah, that's super NFL speak. I've been being told this my whole life. Whole life. Um. So here's the deal. I don't. I don't have a strong opinion on this. I probably have l- the the least amount of conviction on this pick than any other one that I'm going to talk about the entire time. Well, know- here's what we're going to do, then, gentlemen. With both of your lack of conviction, hold on, hold on, hold on. He hasn't God. even gotten the options yet. <laughs> I I know the Chargers are vocal and they're outspoken about the fact that they want to take a receiver here. I don't. I don't see it as an immediate need. I think it's it's uh, a fascinating. It's like thing. a luxury pick. If you're a team that just blew a 28 fucking point lead in the playoffs, I think that maybe you would consider doing something to your defense. That I mean, I don't, call me fucking whatever you want to call me. I feel like that makes more sense. But agree. I I think Joey Porter would make a lot of sense here. But it it seems like they just don't g- give a shit about that. Maybe they have defensive backs they like later in the draft. Maybe they have their eye on someone that they know will be there. Right. Um. Quite frankly, I'm I'm pretty comfortable just deferring to you and and, and throwing Jalen Hyatt on this team. I, I, I feel like I it, mean I, that from a, from a scheme, I think it, it it makes sense. I guess from a pushback though is then if based on what you thought previously, why wouldn't you give him Lucas Van Ness? You just don't think they're going to do that. I think that their issues are more in the secondary than on the defensive line. Fair, and I don't know that there's anybody in the secondary that's you don't like Joey Porter. Fascinating. You don't like Joey Porter Jr. I just want Joey Porter to fall to the Giants. Oh, okay. All right. There, all right. That makes sense. Because I, I was going to say, I like Joey Porter Jr. a lot. Like, I have him and Christian Gonzalez. Like, I don't think there's a huge separation between those two. So, to me... No, it, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking around with you. I do like Joey Porter, but I'm just... I don't know. It, it's, it's, I've never... The level of outspoken that they have been about how they want a receiver is... Then let's do Jalen Hyatt. Because I think of the receivers here, to me, Jalen Hyatt's the guy that they're going to be like, this is fucking... This is just a game changer. Um, maybe Zay Flowers too. I think I think you make a good good point. Um, but you're getting the Bolitnikoff boy instead. That's Who shredded good. Alabama? He did shred Alabama, and he. I'm gonna say like Jalen Hyatt has some of the most impressive ball tracking I've seen <laughs> in a long time. <laughs> like no balls in the air, the guy finds it. Like turning his head, like it. It's really really impressive, and he goes and he stabs the ball. Um, I've heard really, really good things about Zay Flowers. I haven't watched more than maybe like a YouTube compilation of Zay Flowers' top plays, which all look really sick. But I don't know. It's five nine. He so here's the thing that you took the words out of my mouth is he Zay Flowers plays bigger than five nine. Okay. Versus the guy that we were blasting before we started recording in Quentin Johnson, <laughs> who plays smaller than six three. Yes, he does. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, but that takes us to the Baltimore Ravens, whose biggest need they just filled with OBJ uh, for a cool, cool $15 million guaranteed. Super smart. Uh, but if that gets you Lamar Jackson, that's probably a good deal. Um, that's... So, so I think I think. But here, it's weird that you could have just given that money to Lamar Jackson. To be yeah, honest. it's kind of weird. I don't know. <laughs> the whole thing is weird. Um, but I, I think that if, if we were to get down here and Joey Porter's on the board, I think the Ravens have to take Joey Porter. They need a corner. Um I think most mocks I've seen, Joey Porter's gone higher than this. He he fell here. I think the Ravens are really excited about getting a guy that they probably have as top three corner on their board all the way down at 22. You guys missed out. Uh, if there was going to be full indecision on the last pick, I was going to flip the infinity gauntlet for it. 
We right. still can. We can still do it at some point. Yeah, I'm just just uh, you, you missed out mind. on that one. Just okay. so keep in mind the joy you could have if you reach indecision. Right. Moments. We just hadn't even gotten to the point where where Nick had said what he thought that they were going to do yet. I know. I'm sorry. I jumped the gun. I got excited. You're, I thought, you just uh, put just so the audience knows you just put the gauntlet on your hand. Yeah, man. Okay. Fuck yeah. I've got the power of the Infinity Stones now. Okay. Cool. Yes. All right. So who Joey did, Porter, Joey Porter, Porter Jr. to Baltimore, and then who traded? Who did we? This is uh, this oh yeah, Mid, uh, Tampa Bay is on the clock now at twenty three. Okay. Pick number twenty three, formerly Minnesota Vikings pick, now Tampa Bay Buccaneers pick. I would have put Van Ness on uh, on the Ravens, quite frankly. Yeah, I could see that. I, I mean, I'm just a hater, man. I just don't understand the Lucas Van Ness tape hype that much. Like, I think he, I think. It's such a deep edge class. Like, there's not a huge difference to me between him and I don't know. I'm th- trying to think of like um, who's like a, a, a Brian, lower rank Brian edge. Breezy. Well, he's a defensive tackle, but like he skips outside sometimes. He does. Yeah, the guy from Kansas State. I can't think of his name right now. It's like uh, I don't know. I I just I guess I just think that there's other options there. Um, where corner again? I'm going to restate that I think Joey Porter Jr. is like pretty close to that Christian Gonzalez level. There's one guy also in Deontay Banks that I like a lot, and after that I think there's like another drop-off, like tier drop-off. Or to me, Lucas Deontay Banks, Emmanuel Forbes, the guy from Mississippi State, a lot of people like him. Yeah. He's got 14 career interceptions, but he's yeah. only, he's fucking 166 pounds. Right, yeah, I like, don't love that's that. bizarre. That's great, that's tiny. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I could see the Lucas Van Ness pick also. That does seem like a very Ravensy pick. But also, couldn't you just see the Ravens being like, you know what? Not only do we get a corner that's long and has all these traits, but we also get to say, fuck the Steelers. We're taking Joey Porter Jr. And we're putting him on the Ravens. Like, that's going to piss them off. They're going to piss all the yins off. We do love pissing off the state of Pennsylvania at any opportunity we can here at D2B2 Sports. Oh, just those two. Yeah. I I think I talked about this before. I'd love actually to, to recap my Eagles pick early i think before the season started and i think the other guest we had on the podcast said the eagles were going to win four games <laughs> yeah. so he he didn't show back up today but. yeah dicky uh getting called out there but yeah no adam good call by you by the with the eggles last season love it all right so that takes us to to the buccaneers at 23 now with their pick acquired from minnesota so listen I want to say that we're at the point in the draft where things start to go sideways and things start to get really chaotic. We're probably past the point in the draft in real life where that yes, happens. But yes. as for the purposes of our mock draft, we haven't really deviated too much from who's expected to be a first-round pick. I'm going to start deviating a little bit. Um, I could absolutely... I could definitely see Tampa Bay trying to shore up their offensive line. I'm going to go uh, Dwan Jones, offensive lineman from Ohio State. 6'8", 359 pounds. Definitely breaks the mold of the undersized guys that we've been talking about so far in this draft. That is indeed a big boy. He's huge. He's a fucking massive guy. He's probably most famously known for getting run over by Aiden Hutchinson in yes. that clip last yes. year. Um, but no, I think, again, a guy that really projects as a mauling right tackle. I don't think he has the athletic ability to play on the left, to play left tackle. Um, but you're probably getting, again, a really high floor starting right tackle for years. And why am I blanking on the left? They have a really good left tackle. Is it Tristan Wirfs. Yeah, they have Tristan Wirfs. So I don't yeah. think, I don't think, I think it makes sense, right? You're shoring up, you're bookending your offensive line. You're going to make sure that 
it's not Dewan Jones's fault when um, Baker Mayfield Baker gets Mayfield smoked or Kyle runs Trask. out of the fucking pocket and gets smashed for no reason. <laughs> um, that will just be Baker's fault. Um, I totally missed Baker going to Tampa Bay this offseason. Well, that's because he got paid four million dollars yeah. to do so. So it doesn't seem like he had <laughs> no, a lot fair of enough. options. No, fair enough. I mean, I just, I just that's just a thing. I didn't know it happened. I totally yeah. missed that news this offseason somehow. I've been loading up on best ball teams with like a Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, like round six, seven combination, and then Baker in like the fifteenth. Oh, it seems yeah. like it's so perfect until Kyle Trask yeah, wins the starting say. quarterback job, and I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do with this? Or now? until they draft fucking Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. All right. So that takes us to the other, another uh, big cat brother team. This is Jacksonville yet, Jaguars. Yet another team that everybody says they're going to take a wide receiver, yeah, and I'm like, what the here. fuck for? Get the fuck out of here. We're gonna we're gonna go Jags. with your boy here, and and they. Well, I don't know. Like Lucas Van Ness, right? He makes some sense. They need some juice as a pass rusher. Is that Lucas Van Ness, or does he kind of? Are, are you projecting Trayvon Walker to take that next step and be their main pass rusher? Trayvon Walker had a good... Well, he's only good when he has other good guys around him, which is yeah. why he was the number one overall pick. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, he he flashed. I, I, I'm not as down on Trayvon Walker as some people. I thought he played really well. He just kind of was who he was in college, which was a really, really good run defender who was like an above-average pass rusher. And that's what he was in the NFL, and I think that's what he's going to be. If you believe that Lucas Van Ness can be that elite level pass rusher that some people think he can develop into, then I think that's probably the pick here. Um, I could also see them going DB. I I have a hard time. A lot of people have receivers um, mocked to them. I don't understand that at all. They're going to have Calvin Ridley back. They had a really good offense last year. I think what you see in the NFL is when your quarterback starts to develop into a guy who you really believe in, you give him less weapons. You start using your resources other places. You don't need to give him the best weapons because he can get the most out of the guys you do give him. And then you try to give him guys with talent that can be exploited. Really, really fast, really, really good route runners, kind of guys that fit in different molds. I well, think I mean, you have the, the probably the two best quarterbacks in the NFL are Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs were like, all right, we don't need Tyreek Hill. Exactly. This yeah. guy's good enough. We exactly. Don't like so, so to me, I'm I'm just gonna move move with that, and I'm, we'll we'll go Lucas Van Ness here at 24, um, to the Jags. Try to shore up that D line and the defense that really struggled at times last year, um, but another team that that has a lot of potential and is looking to take that next step. So. Nice. We are down to the final eight picks of the first round. And I'd like to just take this time to just remember that the Miami Dolphins don't have a first-round pick because of some weird tampering shit oh, yeah. they did with Tom Brady. Oh, yeah, sorry, final seven picks. Yeah, you're right. Just, yep. Yeah. So yeah. Let's, just, let's just take a second out there to just remember that the Dolphins are a fucking joke. Yeah, I, I'm down with that shout-out for the Dolphins there yeah. for sure. It definitely needs to be noted. And then we get to, to pick 25, which Nikki has been excited to get to, I'd imagine. I've been salivating for, yes. uh, for a little bit of... A little bit of Has time there here. been someone that's been on your radar that you've been like, please don't take him, please don't take him? There is, and uh, to my surprise, we haven't even actually said this guy's name yet, Okay, which is a little bit surprising yet satisfying. My fear, if the board didn't fall this way, I would be terrified that the Giants took Quentin Johnston. I would be very unhappy yep. if they took him. Um, you could make an argument that based on what they have as of right now as receiving weapons, 
he would make sense. They need an X. They need a big, big guy. Um, Quentin Johnson is 6'3". <laughs> I, I, God, I, I really, really do not like Quentin Johnson as a potential NFL wide receiver. Uh, Quentin Johnson, 6'3", 208 pounds, definitely your prototypical outside, go up and get the ball kind of guy. Adam, you and I were talking earlier about how much we legitimately just don't think he's that good of a wide receiver. Yep. Uh, the guy has a 47% catch percentage on catchable balls, yep. which is horrendous, right? That's terrible. You made a fantastic point about how he catches the ball with his body, yep. right? He doesn't reach up and go attack the ball, much like Jalen Hyatt does, like you mentioned earlier. Right. I feel like that essentially defeats the purpose of grabbing a guy that's six foot three. You grab a guy that's six foot three as a receiver because he can utilize that height to go and get balls that the defense or that, that whoever is covering him can't get. Right. But if you need to catch the ball with your body, then he might as well be six negative two. You might as well be five foot ten at that point, right? Right. Um as of six foot negative two, <laughs> bitch. Six foot bitch. negative two deserves to be pointed out, not just I also, slid past. I'm just going to put this out there too that he has an annoying name because you want to say Quentin Johnson, but it's got I a really T in do. it, so it's Johnston. Yeah, that's stupid. Quentin Johnston. <laughs> change your fucking name. That's yeah. stupid. Someone, someone, get on the the call with the the brand guys and be like that brand. That's not good for branding. Get that T out of there. A lot of people. Have made it clear that the Giants are in love with Say Flowers, who's still on the board here. Fuck yeah, dude! I don't know that I want them to take another five foot nine <laughs> wide receiver when they already have Wandale Robinson at five foot eight. They have Sterling Shepard at five foot ten. This team is level. Don't they have another one? Who's the other little guy they <laughs> well, have? Well, they've had for a long time. Slayton is, Slayton. is six foot one. Oh, okay, All right. yeah. Okay. Uh, Paris Johnson, they just signed, is six foot. Okay. So, I mean, really, the only, like, sizable receiver they have is Isaiah Hodgins. Or right. Darren Waller. Right. Yeah, that yeah, way. that's fair. That's fair. Um, my hope is that they abandon the wide receiver position altogether in the first round. Or if they really want to do it, just wait and, and take, like, Josh Downs in the second round. I, I think Josh Downs is better than most people seem to. I think he's basically Zay Flowers. Um, I would love to see a hybrid secondary position uh i would love to see brian branch from alabama all right right. guys can play safety guy can play cornerback i can line up in the nickel guys multifaceted in terms of the secondary i think there's a tremendous level of value there for a team that really needs help in the secondary everywhere i like it i like it a lot brian branch is a beast to the new york football giants he goes no no arguments here and that that leads us to the team that finished one spot above the New York Giants. God, fuck. The Dallas Cowboys. Um, I think it's a really interesting position, again. I mean, I think this is the cool part. I think the whole draft's fucking awesome. But you get down to these teams that are better where they just don't have as many holes to fill, it seems like. Um, there is, you know, there are positions of need, I think, for the the, the Cowboys. Um, namely, interior linemen. I think they could use a pick on running back, tight end. I think running back just doesn't make sense to me. They they went that route once, going high with a running back. I mean, it worked out for them, but I think they've also seen in, in Pollard and just kind of the way the NFL is shifting that it's more about scheme um, and finding guys that can fit your scheme. It's easier to find running backs that can fit your scheme later, but it's hard to find guys that can completely change the way that you can scheme. And to me, there's one guy that we have not talked about who is an absolute fucking freak show um, that I don't know uh, exactly how good he's going to be in the NFL. Um, he wasn't even the best at his position 
in college, but that's because the other tight end he played with was probably the best tight end prospect we've seen in ten years in Brock Bowers. Uh, Darnell Washington is six foot seven and two hundred and sixty four pounds, and he is just a complete anomaly. I mean, we haven't seen someone of this size. Um, I don't really know what he's going to be like in the NFL, but I can see Jerry Jones. I can see. Um, why am I not remembering the name of their fat coach? Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy is gets to be the play caller now this year, and he cannot wait to run on first and second down. And he is going to run behind big Darnell Washington, who can essentially be like a movable secondary offensive lineman on the field, but also has some serious juice as a pass catcher, um, has infinite upside potentially, I would say. Uh, we've really never seen a player like him and could be just a complete red zone maniac. Um, so we're going to go Darnell Washington, who I think um, a lot of teams would be really excited to grab. Um, just it's kind of a luxury pick, I think. It gives you the ability to scheme in like really fun, interesting ways because yeah. he's almost like an offensive lineman that you can put in motion. Yeah, exactly. It's like, like you can do some weird, fun stuff there. Right? Yeah, it's pretty cool. He, I'm pretty excited to see where he goes. I think he's really interesting in that like – that's a player that, you know, some team could just be like, we'll never see someone like this again. We're going to take him at 14. Um, so, you know, that's someone to me that we could see going way higher than we're expecting. I think at this point I would be pretty shocked if he didn't end up going in the first round. So I'm, I'm be like taking that, him right there. God, who was that guy? Matt Jones, that guy from Arkansas Oh yeah, that the Jaguars drafted that I'm pretty sure broke Jerry Jones' heart that he I'm wanted to be sure. able to play quarterback, wide receiver, yeah. and tight end all at once. Yes. And I'm pretty sure that he – he had a drug problem or something that took him out of the league, like a serious one, like heroin, <laughs> which makes sense because he's from Arkansas. So, <laughs> you know, what else? Hell of an aspersion being cast at the Dang. state of Arkansas. Sorry, man. sorry. I don't. You know, all they do is launder money and do heroin. Yeah, I've seen. Lo- I've seen TV shows. <laughs> Just stray bullets being lodged at the state of Arkansas. If over here. anybody from Arkansas. Who, if you're actually from Arkansas and you're listening to this podcast, if you find me on Instagram, I'll Venmo you five dollars. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, there you go. You got an IOU for five dollars from right. our pal over here. If you uh, if you can figure out, figure it out, figure it out. Yeah, got to do some detective work out there, yeah, people. It's not can that you hard. buy a serviceable amount of heroin for five dollars? <laughs> No. I don't know how much I mean, I how much know. money do you need. Would ten dollars get you there? I think it just depends. Is it your first time doing heroin or like your fiftieth time? Because I think your first time five dollars would get you pretty high. Well, I would. I mean, just based on the way that you described the state of Arkansas, I would assume it's not going to be the first time used. Yeah, yeah. So, but it might get them through. Uh, I don't know. Lunch? Maybe Lunch it's break? not enough. Recess? Yeah. Maybe they can turn that five into more somehow doing something else. Okay, I got a good idea. a side pyramid scheme hustle going in addition to their heroin addiction? All right, well, if you find me on Instagram, I will also send you $5. Maybe that'll get you through the end of your workday. Yeah. You can go to the bus station. Yeah. If you find me on Instagram, I will not give you $5. Go to rehab. (laughs) Wow. It's fucked up. I know. I'm sorry, guys. I'll endorse your habit. I like the way you live your life. (laughs) I'm not here. Exactly. Fair enough. Well, you got $10 coming your way if you're able to sleuth out these two on Instagram. And we've got the 27th pick on the board to find our way back to. Now that we got lost in uh, some heroin talk for a second. Normal. 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 The way things go sometimes. Sometimes you veer off topic and find your way onto some heroin for a while. All right. And the Buffalo Bills are on the clock. Who could you see trading up to come get this pick? Is there a player they're trading up for? 
Like, there's got to be a guy you want, right? So, when so I look I think, at our board, here's what I think. I think that this is a place where somebody moves up to get either Hendon Hooker or Jameer Gibbs because you want to have the fifth year of control over one of those positions. And there's nobody that I love for the Buffalo Bills here. So who would consider doing that? Uh, would the Lions use their? No. Would they come up to get no. Jameer Gibbs? I don't think so. Maybe. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I think, again, with the Lions, it's like, you know, they, they've been pretty smart about things. And, and I think that although DeAndre Swift hasn't been great, I think that this year you don't need Jameer Gibbs because you have DeAndre Swift. And they're going to f- fulfill the same role. Now, are they in a position where they can give up capital to look to year two and three from here? Because I don't think you're, you're going to have him much longer. Would the Falcons come up to get either one of those guys? I just don't think he The Falcons fits. would have the eighth pick in the second round. I don't think so. I'm going to say no on both of those. Is there someone else that you see? Like, who's a quarterback needy team? To me, it makes a lot more sense for Hendon Hooker than it does Jameer Gibbs. Not that I don't think Jameer Gibbs is good, but that if the past two years, like, you, to me, like, Jameer Gibbs is around, like, that Brees Hall kind of thing, and that those guys went in the second round. So, like, I don't – I have a hard time imagining a team's going to trade up. I just don't think they care about that fifth year as much for a running back as they do for the quarterback. The quarterback, it makes sense. I, I understand the thinking for the running back, but I just don't think that you're going to give up much. I think you're right, and I, I think this is the reason why. You can simply franchise for your fifth year of a running back right. at like $14 million, yeah, whereas exactly. a quarterback is like $33 million. Yeah, Exactly. So if you think there's a QB needy team that would give a shot, I would talk about it. But I think it would have to be for Hendon Hooker. I think we're going to just let let this play out. I, I'm going to go – the Bills could potentially take uh, Jameer Gibbs as well, but I think I'm going to follow your thought process and just let him fall into the second round, although there's one more team that's a little bit attractive for him on this board as well. I'm going to go – I like linebacker Jack Campbell okay, out of Iowa for the Buffalo yeah. Bills, a guy that can really clog up the middle of the field. It's going to be tough because he, you don't see a lot of middle linebackers go in the first round anymore. However – uh, 85.6 grade against the run, 92.9 grade in coverage by PFF. As yeah, a he's really good. 6'5", 248. He had incredible testing. He was like a 99.9 RAS score. So makes it, a lot of sense to me. It's they, it. they need to – they just – did they trade Tremaine Edmonds or did Tremaine Edmonds just walk in free agency? I think he just walked in free yeah, agency. Yeah. So it, the knock on him is that he's not the most physical guy, right? He doesn't have high-end physical tools. But you don't really need that out of a middle linebacker if Correct. you have good instincts. Yep. Agree. I think it's a good pick. Um, I think Jack Campbell's, again, a guy that's going to start for you through the length of his contract. Um, not a premium position, per se, but the the Bills need to figure it out, um, how to get over this hump, and they can't go backwards. So I think that Jack Campbell prevents you from going backwards at that position. Um Edmund then, just just got paid by the Bears. The Bears, right. Bears gave him a bag. And, and I think that there's there's a lot of, you know, we talked about this kind of grouping of receivers. A lot of people are mocking receiver to the Bills. They do need some help, pass catcher. I think you can get guys in the second and third round that are pretty damn close to the same the guys that are getting drafted right now. So we'll see what happens. But but I'm good with that pick. Um, I think if one of the offensive linemen. If Darnell Wright or Dewan Jones, if one of those right tackles falls, I could see them doing that, but neither of them are on our board. Um, so that takes us to 28, and the the other big cat. Oh, I got all the big cats, baby. <laughs> uh, the Cincinnati Bungles, who I would put in the maybe we're thinking about Jameer Gibbs. That category. was the one. Okay. Yeah, that was the one that I had in mind. Um, I don't. Th- we'll see. I, I mean, obviously, we will see. 
Um, but I don't know. I think that there is one more guy. I think they also need help in the defensive backfield. I'm having a hard time remembering, but I know they just lost a starting corner and a starting safety. Um, I know they had they try they trade they drafted Dax Hill last year um, to kind of replace safety, and he played okay to bad as a rookie. So we'll see how he does. But um, so they they do need a corner. Um, Deontay Banks is still on the board. I think Deontay Banks ha- was really really good um, on tape um, and gives them you know a immediate starter. Um, we're going to go Deontay Banks. I'm also thinking about Keon White from Georgia Tech, but I, I haven't seen enough of the guy. I'm not going to pretend like I I know his skill set. I'm a, I'm a Big Ten football watcher, so I've watched plenty of Deontay Banks. He's going to be an NFL starter for a long time. Um, so that's what we're going with there. Uh, Jesse Bates and Von Bell, both members of the secondary, no okay. longer with the Cincinnati gotcha. Bengals. Both of, those, both of those ideas make sense. Um. As far as I'm concerned, there's one slam dunk pit for the Saints that makes sense here, and uh, there's another pick that just sounds like it would be fun, right? I think the slam dunk pick is uh, is Brian Breezy. Yep. Four of their five leading defensive line, uh, defensive linemen by snaps are gone. Okay. They literally have one of their top five defensive linemen from last year in terms of snaps played on the team anymore. Not to mention that most of those guys that are gone weren't all that great to begin with, which means that inherently their backups that are remaining are even worse. I think Breezy makes sense. Could you see Zay Flowers being a fun fit for this team, though? Absolutely. Side by side with Chris Olave. Absolutely. And I think that a lot of a lot of teams probably have Zay Flowers as like their second receiver on the board. So the fact that he's fallen here, I mean, I think that could be a trade-up candidate also. Um, if there's another team that just really, really likes him. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, the saints need more offensive firepower. Um, I mean, they have, I don't necessarily think they need to get a receiver, but if they feel like somebody fell to them that they didn't expect it, I definitely could see it happen. Uh, From what I understand, somehow Michael Thomas just got hurt since we started this podcast. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Man. (laughs) I just got an update on my phone. Sustained a, uh, Potential career-ending nutsack injury nice. since the start of this fight. Love a good nutsack injury. Gotta protect the nutsack, man. Yep. Got to. Devastating. Two picks to go. So are is that what you're going with? Brian, you didn't, you didn't say? I like, I like uh, yeah, let's go with Brian Breezy. Brian Breezy. Brise- I don't know how to say his name. I don't either. I, I, I like to say, in my head, I always say it as Breze, But So, <laughs> you know what's interesting about this is I met a girl... Uh, this would have been early in the college football season. This would have been like week three or four. Who was telling me that she is friends with this guy? Okay. And uh, she's known his family for her entire life. She was a middle-aged uh, individual, so she probably would have been friends with his parents, right? And she, like, this conversation went on for over an hour. And the whole time, I didn't even really know who she was talking about. Like, I didn't hear about this guy much until later in the season. But she called him Brian Brees the entire time. Okay. Well, maybe that's his name then. So it could this could be like a Brett Favre favor right. scenario where everybody is actually pronouncing it wrong. Right. Um, yeah, he's interesting because he was he was actually the number one rated recruit of in yeah. his class um, and had a kind of he had actually a really good freshman. I think his freshman year they went to the national championship and he was really good. And then he hasn't been quite as good 
Um, and sad story. His sister had like leukemia or something and ended up passing away. And he's been dinged up the entire he's been time too. Up. He's then, had like a lot of. And then he ended up having a really strong end of the year. But it's funny because I remember watching the national championship game he was in and being like, this guy's a fucking beast. And then looking it up and being like, holy shit, he's a freshman. And being like, he's going to be a top 10 pick. And then he wasn't. Um, so I think you're getting a lot of potential there. Um, could definitely see the Saints being excited about that. And that gets us down to uh, pick number 30, which is the Philadelphia E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles. Um, and, and I'm trying to remember. I have to look at my board. They took Bijan. Bijan Robinson. <laughs> I got to be the, I got to be Howie twice. It was awesome. It was awesome. Um, so, yeah, Bijan, they definitely, I think, still need corner and offensive line are things that I think that they would be looking to get here. I think that you have to start thinking about finding kind of the heir apparent to Lane Johnson. Um, and just, you know, again, I think we got to think kind of like how he thinks. It's the end of the first round. You get that extra year. They're going to go premium position here. I have a hard time believing that they're going to draft anybody that's not a defensive end or a, an offensive tackle at this spot. Um, when I look at who's available here, there's nobody that I like super love uh, at either position. Um, so I'm kind of going to default to you and see if there's anybody that you think uh, at either offensive tackle or, or defensive end that that you would see them grabbing here. Uh, there are a couple that are that are appealing. Um, I know that there's an offensive tackle out of Oklahoma, Wanya Morris, who spent a lot of time with the Eagles at the Combine. He projects as a much later guy, although he could sneak into the second round. So should this be a guy that they're, they really have a favorable opinion of, I could see the desire to let him slide into the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could see Keeley Ringo. Okay. Georgia cornerback making a lot of sense. I know that they they retained Darius Slay, uh, they retained Bradbury, but not for long. Yeah, they're, I think they're both one year deals. So this is going to be a position of need sooner than later. I could see that making sense. I could see Emmanuel Forbes, another cornerback, making sense. He, he's another guy that I talked about being yeah. massively undersized. But it's a like what is the correspondence to we're talking about how all these receivers are way too undersized right, and exactly. all the cornerbacks are too undersized right. but if they're ultimately going to end up being the same size then none of them are undersized right, exactly. they're just smaller than they were 20 years ago yeah agreed that's a weird thing it right? is a weird thing i just i just think also they they're going to look here and go man like is is someone going holy shit osiris torrance is still on the board like we haven't taken a guard um he was really really good and he's probably in the top 20 like he's probably the highest ranked guy that's left on a lot of teams' boards. Um, Him, I think John Michael Schmitz is probably really high as well. Yeah, so so I think about those things, but at the end of the day, I think I'm going to go uh, Keon White, who I, I'm not going to pretend like I know a lot of, uh, but I know a lot of people love his um, athleticism, his size, the defensive end position. They need more pass rush. They always, I mean, they were historically good uh, at the on the pass rush this year, but they lost a little bit. Um, they also lost, uh, what's his name, Hargraves that went to the 49ers. Javon Hargraves, yeah. And I think Keon White has the size where he can play inside a little bit too and kind of being that penetrating interior rush guy. But I will say the other person I thought about a little bit was Kalijah Clancy here. Um, I don't personally think that you can draft a – Defensive tackle in back-to-back years. Yeah, and a defensive tackle that is 280 pounds and has the shortest arms – like ever that they've like recorded for a defensive tackle. Um, it, it just gives 
to me, that's a position where you have to be able to create some literal physical separation. That's part of your job, right? When you're, when you're trying to defend the run. So you're getting a guy that might only be a third round or a third down specialist into your defensive pass rusher. Just can't do that here. So I'm going to go Keon White. I think that they don't love any offensive tackles that are left, so they go with the other premium position. Howie trying to lock in that extra year. Anton Harrison is the other guy from Oklahoma that okay. I wanted to mention. Anton nice. Harrison, uh, <laughs> 447 pass-blocking snaps last year, nine pressures. Damn. Pretty good. Big 12. Yeah, well, that's the thing. <laughs> you, never right? know. you never know. Tyree Wilson, dude. Hey. He had to go against Tyree yeah, he Wilson. had seven of those nine pressures. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And that takes us to <laughs> the reigning, defending Super Bowl champions. The Kansas City Chiefs. So it's it's time to put a guy that I don't like that much into a spot where he will absolutely be in a situation where he can maximize all of his talents and his skills. And that, that's going to be Zay Flowers. That's going to be Zay Flowers as both a downfield threat and yards after the catch guy. If you look at everything Tyreek Hill did with the Kansas City Chiefs between being able to turn an 8-yard pass into an 88-yard touchdown or – stretch the field and get open or figure out where to go to the open space when Mahomes escapes trouble and runs around it like a maniac and just chucks the ball up to Tyreek Hill. Like Zay Flowers can do every single one of those things. I don't know that there's a better fit for him in the league. I think the debate is that he might not fall this far, right? As, as far as we're concerned, he doesn't fit with a lot of the teams above him. They probably disagree with us. But in this scenario, I think this is like a it's a dream scenario both for the Chiefs and for him, quite frankly. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think any receiver would be super excited to get into that offense. And I think, you know, um, I think a lot of it will will depend on what they think Sky Moore is. Um, you know, he obviously had a big hand in the Super Bowl uh, game, and but does seem like to be someone they're using kind of more as almost like a trick shot player, um, just getting him touches on the outside. And um, Say Flowers, I think, could definitely fill more of that Tyreek Hill role. You, they didn't. I'm trying to think if they signed a free agent receiver. I know. Well, they they still have Kadarius Tony. Right. And they, they still have right. uh, MVS. But I'm just thinking, like, from you lost, you have the same group minus Smith Schuster. It does make sense that they would need to bring one more guy in. Um, so it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense to me. Gets us through the first round. Um, That's it. The whole first round finito. So yeah, I think you know my thoughts just kind of looking at our board here are one. I think that. We made a trade for two, um, but I think it, like, we'll see. We're going to do another one of these where instead of doing it like this, I think we're going to go with what we would pick, like, personally. And I think if, or just in the real NFL, if two doesn't go quarterback, I think that that is an incredibly big domino that can really shift this entire thing. Because you just, you start just moving pieces around um, if, if two is not a trade down and instead is not, or is not a QB. You know, I think that's definitely the the big kind of um, what's the 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 word for like the kind of the sliding door moment for the draft. It's going to be that number two pick. It's a, a pace setter. Pace setter. Yeah, that's not the word. Something like that. Doesn't matter. I think I don't know. I'm 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 relatively convinced that the the Texans will not take C.J. Stroud with this pick. So either they take a defensive player or they just say, "What the fuck ever." Our guy is Will Levis. We're just going to do it. Or do they take Anthony Richardson and they're just like, "Fuck it." That's our guy. It's I don't know. I think that if you look at most industry mock drafts, everybody presumes that Young and Stroud go one and two. And while that very well may be the case, I don't think that'll be the case 
without some maneuvering, without some movement. I don't think Houston takes Stroud. If you look at our draft, and maybe I'm putting you on the spot too much, who is the guy to you that you think, now that we look at it, we're like, that guy went way too low, and that's not going to happen? I think it's Lucas Van Ness. I think Lucas Van Ness would go earlier. Okay. That would be my To me, it's Nolan Smith. And I think in general, though, we're on the same end of, like, we forget sometimes that NFL teams probably go edge rusher as the most important position on like after quarterback it's the most important position on the field and they're they're gonna take guys like we were looking so much i know both of us are like kind of have a list of like team needs but like there's also this thing of like if if there's a pass rusher that's good we're gonna take the pass rusher over team needs sometimes for some of these teams so i i'm with you i think the nolan smith lucas van ness kind of there's probably you know, somebody else that we are not even thinking about that some team's in love with that can get to the QB. Um, well, you, I mean, you mentioned Cyrus O'Torrance, who we didn't even didn't right. even make the first round. Yeah, we didn't right? put a guard in the first round. I don't think, Shame on us. I don't know that there's that many other mock drafts that aren't putting Quentin Johnson in the first round anywhere. Yeah, I mean, that, that's definitely a little bit of personal bias coming into this. Um, two-person bias. Two-person bias. Um, and, I, you know, especially if a team needs a big receiver. I mean, honestly, like depending on how the draft shakes out, it would make sense to me if, for the Lions to grab Quentin Johnson if they like him. Um, they need a, an X receiver. They need a big guy. Uh, so that's kind of uh, my thoughts there. How about conversely? Is there anybody that you see that you're like, that looks way too high? Dees, are you chiming to, in? Uh, I'm, I'm adding on to that question. So in addition to that question, slash kind of parallel with that question, is there anyone that you see as a projected first-round pick that falls out of the first round? Like, uh, whether we draft him here today or not, anyone that you guys see come draft day sliding back a handful and winding up in the second? That's well, just I mean, a different question. Our guy is – yeah, that's not the same question. But, I mean, our, our guy is Quentin Johnson. Well, your question was about guys falling back. No, I don't. It's a, it's a parallel to, question. To me, the guy that we drafted, and I think we talked about it, like that it was just because of extreme team fit, that if he didn't go there, he probably wasn't going in the first round to anybody else. To me, it was Jalen Hyatt. That that's like such a, it just makes sense for the Chargers because it unlocks Justin Herbert's arm. That I could see, you know, you look at where Zay Flowers ended up going, maybe that's where Jalen Hyatt ends up going. But it's a different thing, right? The Chiefs like a guy that's going to find a soft spot in the zone and they like these gadget plays that's just going to get guys open in space and let them run. Where Jalen Hyatt's like a straight up just take the top off guy. So to me, to answer your question, it's probably Jalen Hyatt. I think as far as as who we overvalued, I, I'm, I don't know which one it's going to be, but there, there's no way that both tight ends go in the top 16. So one of us is, one of those is wrong. Yeah. Right. Even though you could make an argument that they're both perfect fits for those teams. Yeah, I think it's just such an interesting draft because there's just so many guys that to me that like in typical years would probably be second round. Like to me, this is a draft where you can get the top 100. Like the difference between 20 and 80 is not that big. Um. So I just think that that's the other part of this is that there's guys that we're not even thinking about that are going to go in the first round. Um, and there's guys that we think are first rounders that are going to go in the late second. Um, who they are? I don't know. I'm not a fucking GM. I have no idea. I don't know the guys that we cross off the board because their fucking pinkies are too short, you know? Um, or that, like, <laughs> answered the question about, like, who would they rather kill between their two parents differently, right? The way it's just like, well, fuck him. He, he answered that one wrong. 
Um, Whose video of smoking weed in a fucking uh, gas mask is going to come yeah, out? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, th- th- who th- now is all of a sudden the highest paid offensive tackle? Yeah, tur- turns out that was the, the funniest the fact shit ever. That he smoked weed didn't really affect his football. It's fucking crazy. Did drop down um, to the shocker. Laramie, what did he end up going? Thirteen, I think. Yeah, Tunsil went thirteen, and now, now he's the highest he's like, paid tackle. Yeah, good for him, man. Get in that bag. So get in the bag. That's it, man. That that that's round. That's the first one. Dude. Hell of a run. Been at it for over two hours now. We appreciate you guys out there in the listening audience for checking out D2B2 Sports. Uh, this was our first round of draft coverage of the first round. Uh, Adam and Nick are going to break down some more draft coverage again in the near future before draft day. Uh, I'm going to sit back and idly listen and observe and learn and get excited for the upcoming football season through all the stuff they tell me. Damn, dog, you big balling. Dude, I'm loving it. It's exciting. I've been just sitting here like a sponge, just absorbing that was my all this first sweet, D2, tasty B2, information. Bro. I was trying to hit a D2, B2 Oh, for shit, you. my bad. It's time for Derek or Nick's or D2 Adam. or B2 of the day. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we didn't Sorry. do one the whole time. No, nah, didn't do one the whole time. I was time. trying to find a player that I could draft that had some kind of alliteration with D or B, but we didn't We didn't get there. So if we do like a three-round, we could get to it. Bro, who, who did I give the Giants? Who? Brian Branch? Oh, fuck. We didn't even have B2, fuck. bro. It was right it. there, guys. We missed it. Well, uh, you know, like, follow, subscribe, five stars, leave some comments, do all the clickety-clack things if out you, there, listeners. If you write a review on Apple Podcasts, Derek will read it in a British accent on the next show. I will do that for sure. Yeah, I would 100% do that for and then sure. send $5 to some random person in Arkansas. Yeah, then I'll do it. Yeah, if you leave a comment, I will send $5 to a random person in Arkansas. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, right. Also check out the other Good Fun Media offerings. We've got After the Laugh Track, cutting it up about sitcom fandom topics every Thursday. Morons of the Multiverse, getting down talking about all the Marvel goodness every Wednesday. And uh, this here podcast, D2B2 Sports. Days vary this time of year because, you know, we were doing Friday with football season more consistently, but now that sports are a bit more every day this time of year, the days are going to kind of vary throughout the summer when we drop these D2. So just keep an eye on that subscription feed and uh, keep listening. We love you. Adam, thanks for dropping in with us, my man. Anytime. Sometimes. Anytime, sometimes. That's as good a spot to end as any. Good night. Tell me more. No. And I've just finished taking my first shit of the morning. Dave, back to you. I do declare. Blink, blink. It's a gangbang in an ocean villa. Pluck the muck duck. Who's the bottom, who's the middle, and who's the top in the Jim Carrey, Adam Sandler, Will Smith threesome? Can you set me up with another DP? That's my wet dream right there. We've got unlimited wool now. Patrick Mahomes' interceptions thrown versus Nilla Wafers stolen by woodpeckers at a furry convention in March. Like that, I don't know, he just like went to a garage sale and found a book that said how to play running back in the NFL, and he was like, oh look, I've got a dollar fifty in my pocket, maybe I should buy this, and now I'm a fucking Pro Bowl running back again. Oh, tentacle porn.
Because you want random middle-aged dudes in Oklahoma to be like, I want to fuck like that guy. Can't wait. Nipples galore, people. Ours are very menacing letters. Squirrels are squirrely. Do Scottish boys use underwear? He had a drug problem or something that took him out of the league. Like heroin. Which makes sense because he's from Arkansas, so. Over the clothes stuff. I would woof morning wood at this guy every single day. Snoop Dogg, the ping pong player, the bad boy of ping pong. <laughs> Shit on your blanket. Eggs! Eggs! I got these eggs, you want them? If you travel back in time, don't bang your mom. All they do is launder money and do heroin. I've seen I've seen TV shows. Bojack Horse Mom. Uh, I'm gonna say more Nilla wafer stolen. Oh boy, make sure to give the double flush next time. It is smelling bad out here. Thanks. Chuck, back to you. Thanks, Tom. Campbell's nipples are out. Adam's nipples are out. Everybody's nipples are out. We're pumped up. There's Devin gonna be, Witherspoon gonna at be, six. It's going to be a lot of nipples out at, at the draft party here as well for the Reds. Oh, I can't wait. Nipples galore, people. <laughs> <laughs>